no mud, no lotus, no suffering, and no appreciation or awareness of suffering, no happiness, right? It's by experiencing some suffering and having appreciation and understanding around the suffering that allows us to deepen or lean into happiness and peace and love, right? And so it's the contrast in life that makes life so beautiful, no question about it. And you don't have to continue to suffer if you want to experience the peace, love, and happiness. It's just that sometimes it's by experiencing what we're not that we're reminded of who and what we truly are. In a world where there's so much noise and information, one podcast is on a mission to cut the fluff and get strategic. A place where you receive the latest tips to expanding your leadership, optimizing your business, and ways to become a truly peak performance human. Now, get ready as your host, Jake Havron, is here to help you live the strategic life. We are back at the Strategic Life Podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here today because this man is going to create this podcast to be an unforgettable one. The reason why I say that is because we could have wrote and had an entire podcast beforehand because of the conversation we had, and that just says uh, so much about him. You know, this man has already written two books, one he just released lately, which we'll talk about, this one right here, and... He has also been on Good Morning America. He's been featured on Forbes. This guy has led consultancy for Google, uh, Salesforce. I mean, he's been, you know, endorsed by Oprah. Like, how much more do I need to say about the impact he's, he's had? And I don't say this in a way to make him feel like he's this almighty person because he would never uh, acclaim that. But he, he does these things because it's about the impact. And if there's one person's life that could be changed here today, then I believe that would be his mission. So I'm so excited to have him here. And without further ado, let's introduce Mr. Rob Mack. What's up, brother? Man. So good to see you, man. Bro, so happy to be here. You have so, no idea. Dude, yeah. I, I just got to say right off the bat, like, and I, I'm being real here, like we were talking for an hour <laughs> yeah. and a half beforehand, synergy, abundance. You know, I've known this guy for a couple of years, which we'll talk about here, but this is the first time we really got to sit down and just dive in and it just, it just shows a lot about who you are, always trying to find ways to um, serve like my mission. And I'm like, man, this is usually what I do. So just talk to me right away. Like, let's just get into it. We'll get into your story and all that. But what does like providing value mean to you? Because that's obvious. It's very yeah. evident you do that. What does that mean to you? You know, it's such a great point. I think ultimately I want people to experience the kind of immovable, unshakable, unconditional happiness and peace and love that ultimately doesn't just exist within them, but exist as them. Mm. So I think that for me is sort of number one. So if I can do anything to sort of increase or enhance people's peace, love, self-love and happiness, I feel like that's the greatest possible value I could ever provide to someone mm. because it's perfectly priceless. And also if I can sort of remind them and in the process of remind myself that it's something that ultimately exists within them, yeah. then I think I'm doing them a greater sort of service than if I were to kind of encourage them or remind them or mislead them to thinking that I actually, right, am giving them that. or in, in any way responsible for that peace, love, and happiness. So I just want to lead people back to themselves to experience as much peace, love, and happiness as humanly possible. I call that a life of abundance. Yeah. And it leads to other and additional forms of abundance as well. Where does the peace, love, and happiness come from? Like yeah. in the sense of not so much of where it comes from through humans, but yeah. for you, like... Yeah. 
that calling? Where did that come from? Um, oh my goodness, great question. Mostly a We're life- going deep right from the beginning. Yeah, right from bro. the beginning, bro. Like, <laughs> mostly from a life of not experiencing that. No. I mean, I think my first memory of being alive without question was being and feeling everything but peace, love, and happiness. Mm. I felt I was so stressed out and anxious and self-loathing and self-hating. And I was so deeply miserable, Jake. Like it was um, really unsettling and disconcerting from the very beginning. I just always thought I'd grow out of it. I'm like, I'm just a kid. Like, yeah. you know, this is just what being a kid is. It's a stressful life. And, you know, um, we had a, I have a beautiful family, incredible family, you know, but we had um, stress and problems just like everybody else. And as I got older, I didn't grow out of it though. Not right away. You know, I thought, oh, I'll do pretty well in school. I'll do well on the athletic field. I was into, you know, all the sports like you. Yeah. I was in baseball and football and basketball and cross country. And I excelled in sports. Um, mostly because I was working very hard, you know, not because I was all that talented, but I had a father who was a disciplinarian. Yeah. So he encouraged me to work hard. Did well in school. Was salutatorian in my high school class. Um, didn't have very many friends. Was super introverted, shy, and awkward. Where are you? Yeah. Well, where did you grow up? Or what was... uh, Little Washington. So a Washington. place outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Okay. It's a small, real small town. Oh, it's called Little Washington? We call it Little Washington. Okay. It's just called Washington, but everybody knows it as Little Washington. Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, I grew up there, you know... Um, when I look back, I think, oh, I had a great childhood. Yeah. Um, objectively. Yeah. Subjectively on the inside, deeply depressed. And I got to a place where I was so depressed that I was um, suicidal. I mean, I was experiencing suicidal ideation dozens of times a day. I thought about and wanted to kill myself more than I wanted anything else in the world, Jake. Like, which is wild to me when I think about that now. Um, but anyway, I got to a place that was suicidal. I suffered with that for years and years and years. Decided I was going to do something about it. So I did some research. Mm-hmm. Decided I was going to slash my wrist. Uh, you did research on? On suicide. On how would we kill, how, basically, mm. how can I, should I, will I kill myself? Right? So I decided that I didn't have access to lots of means and methods. Other means and methods felt too violent, mm. dramatic. Um, don't know why exactly I chose a knife, but I chose to slash my wrist. So I went to the kitchen, I got a kitchen knife, steak knife, and stuck into my wrist. You can't really see it there on camera anymore, but underneath my watch here, um, you know, test marks are still there. Yeah. And the most unpredictable, unexpected thing happened at that moment, Jake, like, you know, when you dig a knife in your wrist, cause you're like so fed up with the pain, yeah. you don't think it can get better. You don't expect in that moment to feel peace. Hmm or love or joy. And like, you know, I get a little emotional thinking about it. Cause like yeah. I felt all of that without anything in my external life changing. I mean, again, I had a pretty good life. I was healthy. I had family. I was doing well in school. I had a consulting job. Yeah. Um, you know, but for a few moments there, I felt this unlimited, inexplicable, ineffable peace, mm-hmm. love, and happiness, the kind I'd never experienced before. So long story short, I postponed the suicide for like, at the moment, at the time, it was like 10 minutes. Like, I don't even know if it was like, I don't think I could even, at the time, I didn't think I could last 10 minutes. Yeah. But I was like, well, I can always commit suicide later. Yeah. Let me do a different kind of research. I'm going to look up what just happened. Yeah. What's depression really? And so now it's been decades later and uh, happiness coach. <laughs> Who would have thought? Oh, brother. Thank you for going and sharing that. And, yeah. and I know there's so many people that at one point maybe have felt that. You know, maybe they haven't got to the point where they 
put the knife and created some blood that came out, but they wanted to. And what you just shared there just brings hope to that. Hmm. I want to stay on this because you know what? You were in college at that time? Yeah, it was uh, just out of college. Um, you know, depression started probably really when I was like six or seven, quite frankly. Why do you feel like that was? Just if you were to go I back and- I man. It's a great, well, um, lots of ways to explain it. I'd say ultimately the reason is that um, I'm an empath. Okay? Yeah. So yeah. I tend to feel, and I think most of us probably are, yeah. we feel other people's emotions intensely. Um, I would say also I was perfectionist. You know, uh, I would also say it was a divine discontent ultimately there, which was like a recognition even at a young, early age that nothing and nobody in the world can make you happy mm. and nothing and nobody in the world can make you unhappy. Um, that's something that's sort of up to you. Like, I think I was clear about that. Like the world and people in the world unintentionally make this promise. Like, I'll make you happy and I'll make you happy. It's like the car, the house, the wife, the husband, whatever the better job, even the health. And you come to find through living that none of that's true. None of those things can guarantee you happiness. So I think there was a recognition of that. Um, and also, I think ultimately I was an overthinker. And you know, over, I would overanalyze everything, even at a young age. It's like, why is the grass green? Chlorophyll, why is chlorophyll green? It's like endless. Yeah, yeah. I drove my mom nuts, I know it. So you were, you were an overanalyzer, but you also, because I thought you meant your overanalyzer like in the sense of you're always second guessing yourself. But what you just described there is you're more of a, you're, you're peculiar with understanding the reasons of why things are. You're like, why is grass green? Because of chlorophyll, which I guess this is the thing about life is everything's neutral. So do you see that as a positive or a negative? So at that oh, time, was it more of a, a negative? So good, Jake. Yes, that's exactly right, dude. Really, really, you nailed it. it I wanted to understand why am I, why are we on this planet? I mean, at was, a young age, you yes, were? it was, it was, yeah. I wasn't clear about that at, the, at, at that age, but that's ultimately what I was trying to get at. It's like, why am I here? I'm suffering so much. I feel mm. so unhappy. And why are we just still on this planet? So was it, there was an existential angst and anxiety. I recognized later that I was experiencing at that early age mm. and real strong negativity bias, right? I mean, we're all built there's, in the brain, negativity yeah. bias in the brain. We've got dozens of cognitive distortions in the brain. The brain is built with a negativity bias, which essentially means the brain is designed and wired to help us stay alive, yes. not necessarily to make us happy. Although if you stay alive, it's a lot easier to be happy in your body at least. Yeah. <laughs> so I was, we all come wired with that, but I had over-rotated even harder into the negativity bias mm. for lots of reasons. Are you the only child? No, brother yeah. and a sister. Hey, brother and sister, yeah. one, one and one? Um, yes, one yeah. brother, one sister, both younger. Are you, Oh, both younger, yes. so you're the oldest. Yes. Okay, I'm the opposite. I'm the youngest. Oh, like really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you know, and we don't. Have, I don't want to keep diving deeper and deeper on this, even though it's so good. But the reason why I do is because, you know, at that time, like, look, we have people listening that are not probably really 18 years old or yeah. less, right? But they have kids like that. Mm. And would you say that, you know, and the people listening right now and the person that's behind this, you know, computer or listen to us in, in their ears, um, they, they have an idea of personal development. Like this is not something brand new. Like, so we could go a little deeper on that. Um, do you feel like a big part of that was the pressure and the standards that you're, that you said, like your father was a very disciplinarian, like he was probably demanding excellence out of you, which is a good thing, yeah. but maybe there was, you know, not really a, a, a softer side to that. Was that a part you, on you, causing that negativity? Bias? Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. I mean, 
I have um, two of the most am amazing parents a person could possibly yeah. have, right? And and yeah, you know, my dad's, and he, he, I mean, I can't, I don't know a man more incredible than my father. And as a kid, that wasn't always crystal clear to me, nice. right? And to your point, yeah, he, he was in the, you know, in the Navy, he's disciplinarian, we salute mm -hmm. him every Front and center, you know, salute. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. It, was it was very the whole, the whole nine. The whole nine, man. So yeah, so I, you know, was really sensitive, a really yeah. sensitive kid, and just came into the world that way. And so you know, I personalized things, and just from him, everyone, I would just person, I'd personalize anything anyone ever said about anybody else. I'd take it personally for me. Yeah. And it's fascinating because at the time I struggled so much, and now I look back, and I'm like. But it was all this perfectly woven tapestry and it all gave me precisely what I needed. It's true. I did need toughened up. I did mm. need resilience. I did need um, to learn um, to be courageous and all those things. Yeah. So as a child, you can't appreciate that. You can't understand that so much. And so it made things and things were hard for a long time. And now I look back and I'm like, I wouldn't change not one single thing. And there's Correct. some horrible things that happened, but I wouldn't change Correct. one thing. It, which is unbelievable to say in a way. Right, but you probably want to be the man you are today as, as you have to always look back in your rear view mirror to get that 2020 vision of why you're shaped the way you are and why you maybe you ran away from things for a certain time, but now you're running two things. Oh, you nailed it. That's exactly right. Yeah. And I love that discernment there, running to and running away, right? Because you're right, at some point, it was running away for a long time and I realized, wait, I'm actually... In my effort to run away, I'm running to the very things I'm trying to away, run away from. Yes. Right? You can't run away. You only run to yeah. in one respect. Um, but then the other piece of that, to your point, is like you also begin to pivot. Instead of having just like these avoidance goals, I'm going to avoid being stressed or anxious. You have these approach goals where it's like, ah, oh, I want to focus on peace and happiness and prosperity. And that was a major shift for me. Yeah. Not living from a place of fear, but living from a place of like love. Yes. So good, dude. You know, I, I wanna I wanted to really touch up on this because, by the way, are you you're? It sounds like you're really good with your family, like oh, your parents and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, was there when you were younger some remorse and and oh, things that you had sure. to work through? For sure. I mean, yeah. um, you know, as a, I think kids are can be often very much non-judgmental, yeah. but um, they can also be extraordinarily judgmental. I mean, so yeah, for sure. You know, I. And that was part of the reason I was depressed too, is that I generally tended to see the worst in everything and everybody, including mm -hmm. myself. And that would, through confirmation bias, just confirmed. It's like, you know, I don't know if you remember, you probably are too young. They used to have these commercials, Tootsie Roll commercials. And the Tootsie Roll commercials, little kid go around, he was obsessed with Tootsie Rolls. So he'd walk around the city and everything would turn into a Tootsie Roll before his eyes. Oh. Wow. Like the light pole and the fire hydrant <laughs> and the dog. Like, dude. So that was kind of my experience. Okay. I just thought, that, you know, everything was bad. And mm. so I would see everything in a horrible mm. way. And so it took me a long time to recognize my role in all of that. And once I did discover that, I was able to heal a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You know, but you're right. Um, yeah, there's a lot of healing going on there. What would you what would you say for someone right now? They they could be in their 30s, they could be 40s, maybe even their 60s, and there's still that that lack of love or trust or fully forgiveness for their parents yeah. of maybe something that happened, maybe something that's that was worse than what happened for you, or they did something, or maybe it's just this story they've been playing in their head on why they're not successful now because of them. Like, what would you say for someone to help them? 
you know, have some forgiveness to the parents? Oh, so many things. I think first, um, it's only by virtue of a of the dark night sky that you're able to see the stars. Mm. You know, we all asked to come into a world and be a light. And you can really only be a light if you're sometimes surrounded by darkness, right? It's beautiful. There's that. Um, and the other piece of it too is, I like what Byron Katie says. She says, um, parents are responsible for the problems. Children are responsible for the solutions. Mm. I've always loved that because that means that, and I found this in my private practice, like there is probably not a single client I've had in 20 years that hasn't had some kind of complaint about their parents. <laughs> yeah. My parents were not loving enough. They yes. were too loving. They were smothering. Yes. They were never around. They were around too much, right? There, it's always something. We always have some. So I would say that first of all, you're not alone, okay? We all have ideas about how other people should be different. Um, and second of all, um, if we're continuing to experience resentment, frustration about things that happened in our childhood, we can recognize now that our job is to do better and be better, that it's up to us to reparent ourselves and that our parents were doing the best job they possibly could. And if you dove deep enough into their lives and their childhoods and then their parents' parents' childhoods, yes. you'd quickly understand why they behaved or thought or spoke exactly the way they did. If you were in their shoes and you had their thoughts and their feelings and their childhood and their DNA, and their experiences and conditioning, you would think, speak, and act exactly the way they would. Mm. No exceptions. So that's not figuratively true. That's literally true, yes. right? So I think that is what's necessary is that you have to appreciate that everything we think, say, and do comes from somewhere and everybody's doing the best they can. Everybody's doing the best they can. Um, so if you know better, do better. Mm -hmm. um, when your parents, or if they were to know better, they would have done better. Um, but you're here now today and only here now today in the place you are because of who and what your parents did. Otherwise you wouldn't even be on this spiritual path, you know, if you had lived such a charmed life. So mm -hmm. I'd say that for me is just critical is to remember that everyone suffers. Mm. Everyone suffers. Mm. And that's just, that's just in the human DNA of if you're a human, no matter how even the most looked upon, gracious even mother Teresa was one of the best in the world but she became that through suffering she was she didn't oh. have much resources but she created the most impact but even you could look at people that are like the saints or the you know people that maybe are like uh even uh, um uh what, what's his name the the famous pastor worldwide Billy Graham yes like Billy Graham's out there doing amazing work you don't think that guy still suffers he probably has just different types of sufferings than maybe other people but it's still suffering and it's you just so true it. with what you said there. It's that reality of, of accepting that your parents maybe had a suffering point at one time. You're suffering right now, but it's like, are you going to live in that? Because it's a choice to, it's a choice to, Tony Robbins says, it's a choice to uh, experience pain. But if you, if you experience uh, suffering, then that's a problem. Oh, that's, so like, good. You could go through pain, but if you choose to, to have suffering, then, then that's yeah. your own problem yeah. because it's a choice to, yeah. to get out of that. Okay, Tony. I okay, Tony. I okay, Tony. No, it was bit. good. No, it was good. Yeah. I love what you're saying. You're right. No mud, no lotus. Okay. Mm. Um, no suffering and no appreciation or awareness of suffering, no happiness, right? It's by experiencing some suffering and having appreciation and understanding around the suffering that allows us yes. to deepen or lean into happiness and peace and love, right? And so it's the contrast in life that makes life so beautiful. No question about it. And 
you don't have to continue to suffer if you want to experience the peace, love, and happiness. It's yeah. just that sometimes it's by experiencing what we're not that we're reminded of who and what we truly are. Yeah, it's like like you said, the darkness with the scar, the stars. You need the darkness to be able to see the stars. Like exactly, not the stars. The stars are out there right now when it's daylight, but you're not able to see it because it's everything's light. Dude, totally. Yeah. Like, and sometimes I think about the metaphor of like nightmares. Like, you know, let's say you fall asleep and you have a nightmare. Sometimes the nightmare has to get worse. Okay before you wake up. Mm. But it, when it gets worse, then you wake up. You don't often wake up when it just gets better or it's kind of mediocre, right? So the interesting thing about suffering, suffering works the same way. It's like, you know, um, it's ignorance that leads to suffering, right? But when suffering gets bad enough, it causes you to become aware. It dispels mm. the ignorance. Same thing with a nightmare. When you're dreaming, that you know, really you can think about a nightmare is a loss of consciousness or it's unconsciousness. When the loss or lack of conscious, or consciousness gets deep enough and you suffer enough, the nightmare gets really bad and you wake up from the nightmare only to realize you were okay. You were sleeping soundly in your bed all along. And so suffering burns itself out eventually. Nightmares eventually you wake up from. Mm -hmm. And so, but it's important to remember that, that, you know, um, it's the contrast in life that makes life so beautiful. And without experiencing occasionally what you're not, it's hard to remember who you are. Yeah, Dude, that's so yeah. good, man. You are dropping yeah. bombs already. And it yeah. came to me, it's, Everyone experiences pain, but it's your choice if you want to experience suffering. Love. That's exactly right. Pain is inevitable. Yes. Physical pain. Okay. Suffering is optional. Yes. Always optional. It's always you know, optional. Right? So, so, there's, so there's the pain that happens when you experience something in your life. Then there's the pre-living and reliving that happens as a result of that experience. So it's like, okay, your parents did this thing to you once, whatever it is that you don't like. Mm -hmm. How many times have you relived that experience you've done to yourself dozens, thousands of times what your parents or someone else did you once. They cheated on you one time mm -hmm. or even if they cheated on you a dozen times. How many more times have you thought about it, mm -hmm. relived it, re-traumatized yourself and then talked or thought about it or complained about it or wrote about it, right? So we, it's easy sometimes to point the finger at everyone else and say, you abused me, you betrayed me, you cheated me, you abandoned me mm -hmm. when we've done that to ourselves infinitely more mm. times right so if we've done it to ourselves we're just as guilty as anyone else is right so it's important wow. to remember that too that and that's just we're all doing the best we can is that byron katie uh, loving probably what is? probably yeah do you, do you remember her four questions through loving what is have you, have you I, read that yes is it true yeah. can i absolutely yes. be absolutely certain that it's true yeah is there a stress-free reason to believe or Continue to lean into that thought, kind yes. of, and the fourth one is the turnaround, right? How would you be if you didn't believe <sighs> that thought? Who would you be without your story? Yes. Right? Who would you be without? Share, share that again. Share those yes. four because yeah. tell, tell, tell our people because, you know, we're talking a lot about, you know, it's easy to, to uh, making suffering optional and all that. But, like, you're right. Like, that, the story of if someone cheated on you, if, if someone stole money from you, like, all the things that you keep replaying please provide us a strategic yeah. way, which is these four questions on how someone yeah. could really process this, kind of guide us through that. Yeah, so um, the first question, is it true? So what you're wanting to do ultimately is you wanna identify the thought that's causing you the most stress, this stressful thought. So for instance, my mom should love me more. My partner shouldn't have cheated on me. I should have more money in my bank account, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That's the stressful thought. You identify sort of the crux or the essence of your stress? What's that one thought? And it usually sounds like somebody or something should be something different than they are, okay? And it could be that you should be something different. I should be more loving. 
I should be more peaceful. I should be richer. You identify that thought. So the first question you ask yourself, is it true? Now, most of us will automatically say, of course it's true. Yes. What do you mean? How could it not be true? So then she asks again, can you be absolutely certain that it's true? It's like, well, if I'm looking really deeply and I'm truly honest with myself, I can't say with 100% certainty anything's true. Correct. I'm open to being wrong about my own name, my birth date, the fact that I'm sitting here with Jake. I'm not, I can't say that with 100% certainty. This is the Dude, case. Dude, I could be like Pablo or something. <laughs> yes. You know, you know Dude. I, like... You could be a hologram. <laughs> I could be a hologram, you know? So yes, you're right. Not, you're not absolutely true. Um, Wang Zhu says, um, Dallas tradition says, um, am I myself dreaming them a butterfly or my a butterfly dreaming that I'm on myself kind of thing, mm. right? Like, wow. so it's really, it's trippy. It's good. So kind of that whole matrix thing, yeah. right? So then, so, that, so then, you know, you move on from, is it absolutely true to, you know, kind of, you know, is there a stress-free reason to continue entertaining this thought? It's one way of saying mm-hmm. it. Um, who would I be without my store? But the, essentially the idea is, is there a good reason to continue believing this thought that's bringing me nothing but pain and suffering, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and the final is um, called the turnaround. And that's really where the rubber hits, I think, the road. Essentially, it's like, okay, let me come up with one or more opposite thoughts. So if the initial thought is, Jake should love me more, mm-hmm. or I should be richer, or I should be stronger than I am. What's the opposite thought? One thought is... Um, Jake shouldn't love me more Mm. or I shouldn't be richer. Another possibility is that um, I should love me more. Yes. Right. Um, I should be as rich as I am right now or as poor as I am right now. Right. You come up with an opposite or a turnaround thought. Yes. That's the powerful. I really. Yeah. And then you look for evidence that that's as true or truer, more true Mm -hmm. than your original stressful thought. Right. So I should love me more. Why is that just as true or more true? Well, for one, I'm the one who most wants to feel and experience love. Mm -hmm. I'm most interested in it right now. Second, I know better what I need and want to feel love than this other person who continues to disappoint me in that way, whatever. Um, If it's wealth, you say, no, I should be exactly how wealthy I am now. Why? Because that's the facts, (laughs) right? There is no should. What's this universe called should? So anyway, the whole idea is to challenge these unhealthy, unhappy, unsupportive stories that we all entertain in our heads that don't serve any other purpose except to magnify our misery. Yeah, that's man. That right there, like, please write those four questions down because that's from the book, um, Loving What Is Byron Katie. And I, I listened to that and I remember, um, you know, hearing, and I what I love about the book is she does a lot of interventions in the book. So you hear people's different stories, but that, you know, you could underestimate the power of those questions. Be like, these are the four questions. How does it make sense? And that's what most, that happens for most of the people that she asks. But if you really do that turnaround and you start to think about that, like, for example, let's put this into context. Let's do, um, you know, my my father abandoned me when I was really young. That's not my story, but let's say that's someone's story. And the first question is, uh, you know, my father, let's say your, your belief is my father's, you know, I, I can never speak to him again. He absolutely abandoned me. And like, it's all these, this pain and struggle. Well, is it true? Like, did he abandon you? And you'd be like, absolutely. Right. And And like, that's where most people are. Like you said, is it absolutely true? Because did he abandon you? Has he never talked to you again? Has he, is there anything like else that could prove that there's, you know, some sort of connection and 
most cases of not, mm-hmm. even if you think like, well, if he's not there fully loving me, then he is abandoning. But it's like, no, no, no. Like you start to realize, oh, well, I guess he might still be in my life, but he's from afar or, you know what? He's sent me a text message randomly. I didn't respond. You know, like that's where it starts to really open up your eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you asked, is, is there is there a stress-free reason to, you know, stop believing this thought? Well, of course, like there always is one, yes. even though people are, I'm, I'm being very real with people, like you're gonna still struggle with this, but it's when you do that turnaround, when you say, so you say the words, my father abandoned me. Then when you do the turnaround, you could say, I abandoned my father. And this is what Byron Katie like really helps Boom. with people. And, and you're like, that, that doesn't make sense. He abandoned me. And then that's where, you know, and I don't know the story, but what, you know, of your story, or if this is something related or this person stole from me or this person cheated from me or whatever it is, well, I cheated this person. And then you think about it and like, well, what does that mean? Well, no, I didn't cheat them. They cheated me. Well, what if, what if you did cheat them? Because every time before they cheated on you, you were doing this, that was not for them. And you're doing this and this. And, and now afterwards you stop talking. So you're cheating them from a relationship that you could be building again. And so that, that question, the turnaround question, truly like when you change it, so you're supposed to say, if it's my father abandoned me, you would turn around to, I abandoned my father or my father didn't abandon me. And you sit on that and think about, well, did he really abandon me? Am I better off that he abandoned me because now I'm the human I am? Tony Robbins talks about this, you know, his wife, or I'm sorry, not his wife, his mom, like basically kicked him out of the house and like was, you know, like threatened him with like a knife out of his place. But he says, I wouldn't be the man I was am today if it wasn't for my mom being that woman. I love her from afar or I love her now. But that's where if he would have done this work, he'd be like, you know what? No, no, my mom didn't kick me out. I kicked myself out, you know, and I kicked myself out. Why did I kick myself out? Because I needed to grow faster. I needed to be the man that I needed to be called to be. And then that's when it usually, and I'm getting goosebumps and this is not even my own story. But like that right there, I hope is just really hitting people because that's the work. Jake, that's so poignant. Gosh, I love the way you laid that out. The way you describe that, man, that is so powerful and profound. And you're right. And people, so in that example, like, my father abandoned me. I abandoned my father. I put my father out of my heart in a way mm. that I can't be certain mm. he did to me. Right? I mean, and the other piece she said in another turnaround was like this abandonment issue. Like, or we can use the word in other cases, betrayal, cheating. But like, break that down a little. It's like abandoned. Well, if he went off to war, would we call it abandonment? No. If he was mm. sick, if he died, we call it abandonment. If in some other way he was prevented from being in contact with me in the way that he wanted, would we call that abandonment? Yeah. Or, or would we say or that? Or if he was mentally you yes. know, ill that we didn't know about and the reason why he left you at a young age is because he just didn't know how to handle itself and he, he didn't share his mental illness J- with anyone? Like, Jay, totally. Like, so then you come around and saying, well, if I want to be really factual about it, it's kind of like the way, it's a bad day because it's raining. No, no, no. It's just raining. The mm-hmm. bad day part, you've added. Uh, yes, <laughs> right? Yes. So same thing here. It's like you wanted to see your father and you wished your father was around more than he was. Okay, that's facts. Now, can we make any or draw any real conclusions about what your father did or not want? What your father did or not feel? We cannot. So do we want to call it abandonment or do we want to simply say, I wanted something that I did not have or I did not get. Now, we, we take, instead of making this pain more painful, right? instead of adding insult to injury, we just let it be what is. I wanted something, I had an expectation for something, it wasn't met. And I felt something as a result mm. of that. Whole different ball game. Whole there, different. It goes right? from this crazy big 
painful wound to something that maybe is still a wound and painful, but it's now like more tangible and it could be worked with and healed because we know how it is. I used to be a nurse. You get a big gash in your arm. It's to the point where you can't just put a bandaid over it or you have to get full on sutures and everything. But if you could take it where it's a wound that's more manageable and you could put a couple band-aids or wrap it with gauze, the healing's going to be faster. That's so good, Jake. That's so powerful. And I, by the way, should have known you are a helper through and through. You are mm. a servant. I mean, of course you were a Thank nurse. You. That's just phenomenal. I mean, helping professional in so many different ways. Um, and you're absolutely right about that. It's a great metaphor. The other thing I'll say to your point is, um, and you said it so beautifully with the abandonment example. It's like, in A Course of Miracles, they say, we judge others for what we did to them or for what we did to ourselves, right? Like, it's profound to recognize. It's like, yes, I'm upset at this person for judging me, but I'm judging them for judging me, mm. right? Or whatever. And so it's important to remember that piece that we have so much more control and power than we ultimately claim, yes. right? And that we ultimately recognize. And when you do recognize it, your entire life changes and your entire experience of life in yourself and others changes. So yeah, I think I've learned, of course, the hard way, because I learned everything the hard way, um, that when I'm blaming or pointing a finger at someone, I'm actually disempowering myself to do anything about it. If they're responsible for the problem, mm. they're also responsible for the solution. Wow, that's good. Right? That is so yeah. good. So now I put all my healing and all my peace and love and happiness and prosperity in their hands. In their hands. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter how valid you are. You can be perfectly valid in your upset, your frustration, your disappointment. But if you're blaming and pointing fingers, you're disempowering yourself to do anything about it. Bro, that, that, I, that's the first, I might have heard other variations of that, but that right there just hit really home right there. The, you put the power in them to fix the problems, the, the pain, whatever you're going through in their hands because you're pointing the finger and saying, you did this, so fix it. When we truthfully know no one cares about your, you than you. And so you're just basically setting yourself up for failure. Totally. Like, and we think about, and we get, it's, it's so interesting. And you said it so beautifully. Gosh, Jake, this is why I love conversations with you, man. Like, oh, man. Appreciate it. it. We got it. I know. One of I know. Many. <laughs> I know. One of many. You're right. Um, it's just so easy to get caught up in that and lost in that, right? Where we point the finger, we blame someone else, we make them responsible for the problem mm -hmm. and therefore the solution. And then we continue to complain about it or get frustrated about it and continue to feel the lack of peace and love and happiness. So we feel the unhappiness and we feel the loneliness and we feel the conflict inside. Um, but that's not really living life. That's yeah. just surviving, Yeah. right? So we wanna take our power back or recognize that our power was never given away, could never be given away, mm. right? And that the healing ultimately exists um, and is within our hands, within our own hands. Um, so yeah, it's an important piece of So good, bro. Yeah. So good, oh my gosh, I mean, Dude, we, let, let's let's go from, so just to make sure everyone gets that, to take the power in your own hands, which it always is there, is number one is to ask that question about this this pain, this thing you're going through is, 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 it, is it true, right? And you might, you know, sit on this. And right away, if you're like, absolutely it's true, they left me, this, blah, blah, okay, is it absolutely true? In most cases, it's not, but you have to ask this. It's not just forcing it on you. You have to ask this and answer with it yourself. Is it absolutely true? The third is, do you have, um, is there a, a stress-free reason to uh, stop believing this thought or stop, you know, uh, playing this through your head? Yeah. And most times, if you really think about this, well, I guess there could be a reason. You don't have to say yes, right? Right, it's not, right, it's exactly. Not, it's not persuading you to say yes to things that you just feel like you have to because that's not going to move you. But could there be a reason if you were to drop this thought? And then the final one is turning that around, is, is playing with those words of like, 
You know, if you say this person stole money from them, you could say I stole money from them, you know, or, or they didn't steal money from me or they, you know, like you, you, you basically do the antithesis of it. And that will help to open up new paradigms in your mind. Play through those and, and sit on it. And if you want to go deeper on that, then it's Byron Katie, Loving What Is. I recommend it, recommend it, recommend it. It was it brought tears to my eyes when I was listening to it a couple of times because yes. of hearing the people's stories. And, you know, these are people's stories, but I could live through that. So that was very powerful. Let's transition into your your relationship expert. Is that yeah. correct? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's funny because that's a term that I've reluctantly embraced only because I want to help and be, but I, I'm not, you know, I'm not sure I would, I wouldn't of my own volition choose to call myself a relationship expert. Yes, Although that's how I'm known. That. Um, I have always just set out to share my experience and try to teach through my living example, yeah. what it means to be happy. Okay. Yeah. And, and um, so I'm a happiness expert up say that right mostly it happens sometimes you just got to brand yourself especially if you're sure. on a big you know big uh tvs and such a relationship expert is what's going to make sense to those people but you don't call yourself and, that you call no yourself differently. exactly exactly Jake. and yeah. when i decided to be a happiness coach i thought people would call me and say i'm so unhappy rob can you help me be happy that is not what happened they called and said my boyfriend really acting up man my girlfriend oh, exactly. right yeah, my yeah. husband cheated on me my you know i don't have a wife like it was that and i suddenly realized oh my goodness people are coming to me as a happiness coach or positive psychology expert mostly because they're struggling with relationship stuff mm -hmm. and so before long people thought of me as a relationship expert mm -hmm. and then later i did a show called famously single and that was, that was, that was on the e right? yeah on ew network yeah i mean come on this guy's yeah. on the e's so, endorsed by oprah yeah I've been by the way really class. quick just so you guys don't really understand this is his bread and butter this is rob was background 10 years ago university of pennsylvania yeah. One of the very few, I think it was less than 12 people. Yeah, it was like just a few dozen people, yeah. A few dozen people that uh, was in this class. It was Ivy League school and got a master's in applied positive psychology. Yeah, that's right. And even 10 years later, there's only a couple hundred people that have gone through that at an Ivy League school. It's not like you're going on on this program online from some sort yeah. of you know woo-woo coach and, yeah. and learning how to be happy. Like You're learning from the freaking Ivy Leagues on applied positive psychology. So, so you have this credibility to you, let alone all the people you work with, but I just wanted to make that really mm -hmm. clear for everyone. So, but please continue. I appreciate with, that so much, yeah. you know, and um, it's fascinating because, you know, Martin Seligman, is like the grandfather, godfather of positive psychology. And I remember studying him in undergrad and he mostly spoke or taught and did research around learned helplessness and depression. And, um, you know, I of course was very familiar with learned helplessness mm -hmm. and depression. And um, then he got to a place in his own career where he began to look at the science and he said, you know, I always thought that if we remove the dysfunction or the weakness from people or the mental illness from people, that we'd get happy, healthy, thriving individuals or couples mm -hmm. or families or organizations. We don't get that. We just get flatlining mm. ones. So we need to turn our focus on what makes life worth living, on signature strengths and human strengths. We need to focus on the good in people and couples and families and organizations in order to grow that good. Mm. We can't just continue to think that if so we focus just, on the negative. You just can't get rid of the negative and expect things to be good because you'll be that's right. flatlined, you'll be neutral. That's you have right. to actually put energy and intention towards the positive. You nailed it. Ah, that's right. There's that's a quote good. you'll love, Jake. Um, the law of flotation wasn't discovered by contemplating the sinking of things, right? So in other words, happiness will not be discovered or experienced or felt 
by focusing on the unhappiness of things. Mm. Love cannot be experienced by focus on, focusing on the unloveliness or the loneliness or the lovelessness of things, mm -hmm. right? Peace can't be experienced or found or felt by focusing on the conflict within things and people, right? So you just can't get east by going west in that mm. example, yeah, right? You can't really get good. up by going yeah. down. I like that. Yeah. That's the idea. So, so going into that, so going back to actually, so you, you had your show on the E. Yes. And how, yeah. first of all, let's, I want to, I because I, like we could go all into this, but I want to get strategic. How the heck did that happen? Oh, that was your first show ever? Um, it was. Big yes, show? Yes, yes, for sure. Yes. How did that happen? I, oh gosh, what a great question. I mean, the grace of God, mm. you know, I mean, the, the, the more practical, tactical details are that, you know, so went to undergrad, went to business school, went to this master's program, was setting up my own private practice. While I was going to business school, I was paying for it by doing like modeling jobs and mm -hmm. acting jobs. Mostly meant being. I hope you guys are watching on YouTube. By the way, this this guy is uh, quite a quite an eye candy. Right? <laughs> so if you're listening, send you right a Venmo, now, man. I got to pay you. Just visualize, just visualize. You yeah. know, like I don't know, just the, the, the freaking the Greek god. <laughs> here. Says, but, says the Greek god. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> says the Greek Watch god on YouTube yeah. for this yeah. episode. All right. <laughs> That's but anyways, awesome. continue. Yeah. So acting, modeling. Yeah, no, so totally, dude. So, um, <laughs> you know, I was in an airport one day and I uh, saw this um, just really beautiful, lovely, like, woman crying in the corner, okay? Mm -hmm. And she was just upset about something. And so I just felt like she had a little puppy and I was just, like, feeling like, wow, something's going on with this um, woman. I'm going to go over and talk to her, you know? And so I just went over and talked to her. And um, she said, Are you doing okay? Like, get you some water. I didn't want to pry. I just want to... You know, I might need a friend. I'm just going to sit next to you if it's okay with you. If it's not, I can go, you know, go away. Mm -hmm. You know, well, please sit down. I would really enjoy that. So I just sat there and we just became friends. And so about like 10 or 12 years later, you know, like things are happening in my private practice. Like book comes out, you know, Vanessa Williams wrote the forward to it. So I got a little, you know, like a lot of helpful things were happening along the way. My entire intention all along was like, I just want to be happy, man. Like it was really selfish. I just want to be happy. Like if I'm able to make money on it, great. If I have to pick up a job doing something else, then that, so be it. Yeah. I just, I'm doing this from the sincerity and authenticity of my heart. And I just felt and believed like if it's meant to be God, the universe source will yeah. allow it to unfold in ways that are, that it's meant to unfold in. Right. Mm -hmm. So I just stuck to that. I had no idea what I was doing ever from a business perspective. I had no strategy. I did everything wrong from a business perspective. Okay. Um, so anyway, 10, 12 years later, um, I get a phone call and it's from this woman that I met there before we maintained. He said, Hey Rob, uh, what'd you say you do again? Cause I didn't talk about it. I wasn't good at talking about, yeah. you know, good at yeah. talking about what I did. And she said, aren't you in like psychology or a love expert or something? I was like, yeah, I do that kind of stuff. She's like, well, who do you work with? I said, well, you know, I work with pe all people from all walks of life, but I have like, celebrity clientele. Yeah. You know, I've been really blessed that way. Um, and they experience the same problems as the rest of us. And she said, well, we're doing this show. It's about, it's called famously single. And you want to interview for it? And I was like, I guess. I said, but, but I was resistant. I was reluctant because I said, well, I don't know if TV is my thing. Like I've done the acting thing and yes. did the modeling thing. And honestly, I just want to help people. I don't want to hurt people. And I don't want to make fun of people that are struggling um, at all. So she's like, talk to the producers and see how it feels. And when I met with them, they're like, we love what you do. And do you have any concerns? And I said, I just want to be me. I want to help people. Mm -hmm. If you're filming it, that's fine. But for, I just want to be me and I want to genuinely help people. And if that's what you're, where your heart is, we're down. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, just do that, Rob. So it happened. And then we got a second season. What? Right? It's so weird. was the woman, was she a casting director? Was she yeah, part she, of the she show? Worked, yeah, she worked with a production company. It's a good friend of mine. Wow. Yeah, Fega, yeah. Bro, she's, 
Dude, that is, so I love unpacking these stories because we overcomplicate. A lot of us tend to overcomplicate how we create success, how we create these, you know, pivotal moments that make change. And this all happened by you just meeting this random woman in the airport and you showed love to her, having no expectations over a decade, 12 years, I think you said, right? 10 to 12 years? Yes. I have shivers. Were you you guys... Talking. Yeah, we just made it like just text message now. Text and then. message, yeah, you know, on MySpace, probably. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, totally, yeah. totally. That that's the game, guys. Like in, men and women, like yeah, yes. like that is it is is long term game, and and that's just one of probably many stories. But I want to just drive that home. Like people overthink that they need to meet this perfect person, or they, that they they need to be in this perfect circle and meet the top person that's a producer and all these things. Like no, no, no. This this woman was a random nobody at that time. You just nailed it. My entire life has been that, Jake. It's, like, I, right? I, that's why we, I think, it aligns so much. Exactly. Mine too. Like, exactly. Like, I'm consistently um, blown away by how far I don't get through my analytical yes. mind yeah. and scripting and plotting and planning everything, and how far I do get by not doing any of that and mm-hmm. resting and relaxing in God, in peace, love, and happiness, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Yeah. And just trusting that if I can come from the heart and be sincere and do my best to put my best foot forward and be a conduit, you know, Jake, you offered this phenomenal prayer before we started that just, you know, gave me shivers because uh, we have a very similar approach, I think, to our spiritual life, but our life in general. Yeah. And just allowing for whatever divine, infinite, eternal, faceless, formless, thoughtless, wordless truth to come through Mm -hmm. that has been my entire life and so when i'm stressed out my mom always reminds me of that she's like honey like don't forget all your best ideas or all the best opportunities have come when you've gone to the pool (laughs) you're laying out (laughs) and you forget about all of it you know pool or the shower exactly yeah totally like just just let it go forget about it just stick to the game plan Mm -hmm. which is just you you know just try to live the message um so yeah man my whole life i mean modeling I mean, I got in, I had a 10 year modeling career and it happened. I was doing management consulting. I was over it. I never liked it to begin with. I kind of wanted to be like, I was hoping that it would come to an end, but I felt so much guilt about it. Like, how am I going to quit this like really lucrative, well-paying, well-respected job? And then one day I got a phone call and they were like, Hey Rob, um, we know you don't love this, like the consulting work you were doing. I had taken an internal position. They said, Hey, you can, um, return to the consulting space if you want, or you can find a job somewhere else. I'm going to find a job somewhere else. Like. It was mind-blowing. I was like, I prayed for that, essentially. Wow. And then, after a few months, couldn't find a job. And I'm walking along Lincoln Road in South Beach. And I'm like, oh, what am I going to do? Well, right now, I'm just going to trust. It's all going to work out. I stayed out of my head about it. I run into a guy. He says, hey, you ever bottled before? And I'm convinced he's just pulling my chain. Because yeah. I was, at the time, I'm like, I'm the ugliest person. Seriously, my whole mm. life. The ugliest person in the world. I can't, I'm like, this guy, maybe he's going to rob me. He's going to, he's going to like You were modeling me. for 10 years and you still had that thought. Um, when I started. When you started, okay. But I was, I was actively working on that because I realized yeah. that wasn't healthy or yeah. true. Um, I mean, the ugliest person in the world, that's a lot. <laughs> like, you know, so. I've seen some people, man. Right, there you go. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. And so anyway, turned out he was a modeling agency agent. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't do anything right away. Next week it happened again with someone different. And I was like, well, I can maybe make a week's worth or two weeks worth of money to just pay the rent because I was getting desperate. Yeah. Turned into a 10 year acting or, or modeling career. Oh, so this was for the beginning of yes, your career? Yes, the beginning oh, of my career, wow. yeah. When so I couldn't when find you a left job. the consulting and yes. then you got into the modeling. Yes, I wow. mean, it's mind blowing. 
Then years later, I'm doing the modeling thing and I get a um, phone call to go to audition for an acting gig. And I was like, nah, I'd rather be at the pool, read my like peace books, my happiness books. Yeah. I'm not gonna book that job anyway. I'm not a good actor. Yeah. I had a friend, attractive friend. She's like, hey, Rob, I just scooted at the time. Can you give me a ride to the audition? You go to that audition? I'm like, nah. She's like, can you just give me a ride then? I'm like, yeah, of course I'll give you a ride. Yeah. Give her a ride. I go to like, leave her there. And, and then the producer says, hey, aren't you here for the casting? Come on in. I'm like, darn it. <laughs> right? Yeah, you lured it. I get in there and uh, he says, hey, you want to read for this part? And I'm like, I'm not, a, I'm not, a, I just read the part. And because I had no attachment to it, I wasn't desperate or needed about it. And I was in a good space in my life. I read for the part. I got the part. The part happened to be opposite Vanessa Williams. Wow. Met Vanessa Williams. Had, wow. Yeah. And so then she eventually wrote the forward to my book. Like, this is what I mean. Like, Lee Vanessa Williams? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miss America. First black Miss America. Former oh Miss America. Gosh. Ugly Betty. You know, um, just, uh, yes. Wow. Incredible. Oh my gosh. Like, I love, like, so this is called the Strategic Life Podcast, as you know, and everyone listening knows this. And like stories are what truly teach the the tools, the modalities, the methods and all these things. Sometimes we just don't understand it. Like we were like, wow, that was a captivating story. And it's, we're inspired and all these things. But like, once again, I just want to, I want to repeat these things. It's like, you have been on this journey of growth. You have not, people look at you today, just as they could look at anyone. People look at me and they think that like, oh my gosh, this guy has it all. Or he's always been like this. I'm like, no, no, no. Like this is the journey. And that's, that's, the comparison effect is comparison is the thief of joy. And, you know, for you, you, your main thing is you've been focusing on living in the flow state, peace, love, and happiness and letting things happen. God's directing you. You're, you're showing up as your best self in that sense, yeah. but you are not ever discrediting any person you meet. And going back to that, that oh. airport story, I think that's so powerful for people is like, as entrepreneurs, we get so stuck in this mindset of like, if they don't have direct transaction or ability to bring value to me, then maybe I don't show up as my best self. But this woman was a quote unquote nobody for 10 to 12 years and she hits you up and then gives you on a life changing trajectory. Yes, it could have been one show. Maybe it could have been one client that they introduced you to and you got that, but that client introduced you to 10 or 20 people. And I, I just want to really break this down for people to understand that like, that is the relationship game is to always show up as if this was the last moment that they would ever be able to see you or understand you. And they were going to go tell every single person about you. I saw Alex Hormozzi. He's a great entrepreneur. He just shared this actually yesterday on uh, social media. He said, the thing I love about Michael Jordan is that Michael had this mentality that every game he went to, he knew that there would be a man, a woman, a kid that had only the, enough money to watch one game of Michael. And Michael had this ability that he was like, you know what, if I'm gonna leave an impression on this person that probably would never be able to watch me again, how are they gonna talk to me or talk about me to others around oh, them? So that gave him the wow. drive to show up every single moment in your best self, even if they don't, aren't gonna be a business partner, even if they aren't gonna be kind, even if they aren't gonna connect you with people, because the truth in your story is, and we all have stories, I have multiple stories like this, is that people grow. And you never know, they will never, and especially when they're at their lowest times like that and you serve them and you don't just serve them once, be persistent with yes. it and show you care. They will never forget that. Oh, and that's, a, that's a testament to your story, my friend. Such profound wisdom. I love the way you summarize that so beautifully. That's precisely right. Um, I have consistently been wrong about um, 
what anybody or anything is for. Okay. Mm -hmm. You meet someone, they're super powerful, they're multimillionaire, multi-billionaire, they're famous, they're powerful, whatever. You're convinced, you're convinced, this is my big break. Yes. This is what's gonna make me in my life. Turns out to be a personal uh, contact, not a professional one. Yes. Or it turns out that they lead you to somebody else or something else. Other cases, you're right, you know, you're at the gym, just some random guy or some random girl, or you know, you're at the grocery store, you're, you're talking to the cashier. You have no idea the incredible and immense ripple effect that that experience will have on that person's life and on your life. And you don't know in what direction it will be. Mm -hmm. So you just, like you said, want to show up as love, show up as peace, as happiness, like just be that consistently enough. Not even, yes, it's great for other people for sure, but do it because it feels so good. Just do it because yes. it feels so good to you. Yeah. Like I'm very impatient. I don't want to wait until tomorrow to experience the peace, love, and happiness that I ultimately want. I want it right now. Mm -hmm. So like, it's easy with Jake, because every time I connect with Jake, it's like I feel all those things. But if you weren't you, I would still want to bring my best to the conversation and to the experience because I'm selfish and I like feeling good, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a very selfish thing. I don't want to wait for you to deliver on something that I think you're supposed to deliver on or somebody else to deliver on something. No, it's like I want to show up that way consistently and I want to stay open to the possibility mm -hmm. that everybody and everything is part of my path in some way that I can't possibly conceive or perceive of right now, right? It's like what they say, Foresight is blind, hindsight is 2020. Mm -hmm. Right? Dude. Yeah. And one more thing, and we're gonna go into relationship stuff here to add into everything you just said is, you know, you said change it to where you feel good, you feel the love when you do those things. Well, right away when I hear these things, because I, I know my people, I've worked with the, you know, all different types of entrepreneurs, and so I hear those objections. And so right away that thing came up and I was like, Well, well, how do I change that? Like it's like I mean, yeah, it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to start to feel good when I help people, but if, what if I don't? And, and the thing that is that came to be a, a potential strategy or solution for someone is it's the, it's the questions in your mind, right? Everything in our, our brain works yes. through questions, right? Yes. Our brain is a, is a question answering machine. That's what it is. Hmm. So, you know, when I, when, I, when I do like sales training or like uh, workshops for like influence, um, a very common example is when people are about to pick up the phone, right? Let's say, or you go to the grocery store, but let's, let's use in this context, picking up the phone, about to do a call, maybe a cold call, maybe it's a follow-up call, maybe it's about to close. And it's what questions are you going, what questions are going through your head before you're on that call? Because you have questions whether you think it or not, consciously or subconsciously. Mm -hmm. And most people, even in the sense of going to the grocery store, most people have questions of like, is this person going to even want to talk to me? Am I going to get hung up on? Like, how many no's am I going to get? Like they're thinking worst case scenario or am I wasting my time or, or maybe can be mm. guilty things like, uh, you know, um, you know, am I going to even get paid here or whatnot? And that's going to lead into the way you interact with people. So for you to actually feel that love more within you, like if you go to the grocery store, it's, you're thinking, you know, I just got to get my food or I don't want to talk to anyone no. or, you know, who's going to like, you know, cause a problem this time, or am I gonna have to deal with a grumpy, uh, person behind yes. the, the counter instead change the questions for the sales it would be how can i just build the absolute best relationship with this person no matter what comes out of this yes. right or how can i learn about this person so even if we don't do sales i can make them feel like you know what this guy jake that they met is mm. is pretty good yes how does that change the business how does that change sales that's what keeps you from not having call reluctance right and i know mm. a lot of people are entrepreneurs are in sales here mm. so they're gonna if you do that it's game changer but when you're at the airport or you're anywhere 
or you see a situation, you could just play that question and just think, you know what, how can I make this person be on the counter that had a person right before and I've had an experience like this today, like this woman wanted, like I was at the gas mm. station and this woman wanted to get like her, her e-cigs mm. uh, and, and they were, she didn't have cash so she didn't get the discount. She's like, well, I don't want this and there, she's like, when did this happen? And they were like, well, when management changed and she was getting so grumpy and all these things and so the guy behind the station had to deal with it and, and almost I was like, you know, I was like, this woman wants her cigarettes and all these things. I was like, you know, but I was like, no, 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 Jake. I was like, you don't know the pain she's going through. She's an older woman. I was like, I was like, just love on her, love on her, love on her. Mm. But the, the, the cashier after, I could tell he was a little distressed. So I, my question in my head was, how could I just make this guy feel a little bit better here? What can I say? And then and, and I just go and do it. And I see his name tag and I say, what's up, Azam? Yeah. You know, that's his name. I was like, how you doing today, man? I was like, I could tell you got good energy, my friend. Yeah. And you could just see him light up. But I think if someone can just start to rewire their questions that play in there and start to say those things, how can I change, you know, the perspective of this person? How can I just you know, build friendship. That's how you find that love and happiness in those moments you experience. So, so good. you're to, right about that. Yes. Change your questions, change your life. Change your questions, right? change your life. And you're right about that. It's interesting. So like give a study, a scientific study example. Um, if anybody's ever bored, they can Google or YouTube mm -hmm. the gorilla experiment. You might be probably familiar with this experiment. So it's um, really a study on inattentional blindness. So oh, yeah, with Have the basketball? Seen? Yes, how, yes, yeah, right? Explain so long story explain. short is, um, there's a room full of people and they're passing basketballs back and forth. Uh -huh. Okay. And the idea is that you're supposed to count how many completed passes happen in this video. Okay. And it's a lot happening at once. Yes. Right. So now they have most people watch the video, watch it all the way through, they get to the end of the video and they'll say, okay, how many passes, completed passes did you count? People have all kinds of answers. And they'll say, did you notice anything odd or strange in that video at all? And most everyone says, not at all. I didn't notice anything strange. It's just people mm -hmm. counting or passing the basketballs back and forth. They rewind the video, stop at about the halfway point, and they play it from there. And then and they say, okay, forget about counting the basketballs. We want you just to watch and look for anything strange or odd, <laughs> yeah. okay? And what they find from that point forward, there's a man dressed up in a gorilla outfit. <laughs> Literally walking right through the middle. Yes, he stops in the middle, he waves. Yeah, he waves, like bounds his chest, whatever. Yeah, yes, we all miss it. We all miss the gorilla, the man dressed in a gorilla yes. outfit, the first time through because our questions have informed our experience. Yes. So we're saying, how many completed passes? So we only see the passes. Second time through, when we let that go and we focus on well, do you see anything strange or odd? Mm -hmm. Suddenly we see this gorilla that was there all along, yes. right? So to your point, you know, you get more of what you focus on and questions are a powerful way to completely reframe and change your experience of everything and everybody in the world, in your life. Beautiful. Yeah, that's great. I love, uh, dude, yeah. I, Tony Robbins did that at his thing and I, I got duped on it. I was yeah. like, wait, what? I was like, no way. So then when you go back again and you see the vent, you're like, you know, you're about to get, right, exactly. you're about to get duped. But he's like, don't tell anyone. Yeah, you know? exactly. So it's so funny you said that. Let's talk about relationships, my yeah. friend. Um, you know, you, you've been on the show for E, you've been working with celebrity clients. Like, it's amazing what you've created. I would say, let's, let's start off with uh, what would be some tangible things with someone that's in a relationship yeah. that um, maybe, you know, feels dull or feels like they're kind of sizzling out, the passion's gone, or, you know, they could be 20 years in a relationship or even two years. Like, yeah. what would be some things just for people like that to to better understand their person or, you know, you're the expert here. Just, yeah, no, it's just, good. Yeah. Well, the first the point, floor is yours. Yeah, the first point I'd, I, I, I um, first thing I'd share, and you spoke to it earlier, 
It's um, to move away from transactional approaches to relationships to more relational approaches to relationships, right? To your point, we often go into relationships and we don't always know we're doing it. We're often unaware of it, but we go into so many relationships with an agenda, mm -hmm. an agenda for the other person, okay? And we then measure them, ourselves, the relationship, based on whether or not or how well they're measuring up or meeting our expectations and our agenda, okay? And then we make a decision based on that. When that doesn't work very well, most of us can sniff out someone who's just in it because they're trying to get something from us, mm. right? So it's not um, a relational experience, it's a transactional one. Yes. Another way of saying that is um, we have or get into relationships with an expectation of reciprocity. Understandable, nothing wrong with that necessarily. Um, but when you get into a relationship and you love people only because of for what you can get out of it, you put yourself in a position where, again, you've disempowered yourself and you've put your love life in the hands of other people, okay? Even your most significant mm -hmm. person, your significant uh, other. And that's highly problematic because then that means that how the other person shows up dictates how you feel mm. all day, every day. And then you go out into the world, your business, and that just like emotional contagion, social contagion, it spreads everywhere else. So again, it's really about taking your power back and remembering that your love life is ultimately and entirely in your hands. You can experience love and happiness and harmony with someone who doesn't experience any love or happiness or harmony with you at all simply because you make a decision to show up as love. And that doesn't mean you have to be a doormat. It doesn't mean that you continue to give all your money away, all your time away to people who aren't grateful or to people who don't meet you halfway or reciprocate mm -hmm. that. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that the major shift for me came when I realized that love is my happiness shared. It's my happiness shared. And when I share that happiness, it's multiplied, right? Mm -hmm. So happiness shared is not happiness divided. It's happiness multiplied, yeah. right? So the challenge and the opportunity for most of us, I'd say all of us, is to become so full or recognize how full you already are in self-love or love, peace and happiness, and to fill yourself up with as much peace, love, and happiness as humanly possible so that like a rain cloud, you indiscriminately, unconditionally, shower that peace, love, and happiness down upon the earth and everybody and everything on the earth just to unburden yourself, just to relieve yourself of all this bliss and pleasure and joy mm -hmm. and peace that you have inside. You don't do it with an expectation of reciprocity or reward. It's not a quid pro quo kind of experience. It's not a business fair. It's not a negotiation. It's just, I'm loving you because it feels so good to me. I'm the first person and maybe the only person who will experience the benefits of that love. The lover always experiences the benefits yes. of love first. Right? And you're doing it from a place of overflow. So the challenge and opportunity for me and the shift for me is coming to an appreciation and recognition that my love life doesn't have to be and isn't in the hands of anybody else ever. It's always up to me, right? And again, it doesn't mean staying with somebody you don't want to be with. It just means remembering and realizing that love isn't an exclusive relationship that you have with just one person. It's an inclusive relationship that you have with the entire world and everybody in the world that ultimately boils down to how well can you love yourself and others? How lovable, love-able are you? Mm. And that's mostly about peace, love, and happiness and discovering that within. So how does someone discover that? Let's say they yeah. have been in a transactional yeah. relationship and, and 
look, I think we're all guilty. I'm definitely sure, guilty. Sure. I've, I've, I've had that where I'm like, oh, you didn't do this. You didn't do this. Oh, and then it's like you, it's like, oh, judge the speck in their own eye before you judge the plank in your own. Right. So I, I totally agree with it. But how does someone who maybe doesn't know what this peace, love and happiness, how do they do that? Yeah. Um, that's where aloneness is incredibly invaluable really aloneness aloneness yeah. yeah so lots of us um i think confound aloneness with loneliness mm. i'm alone and therefore lonely but if you notice sometimes you're alone and not feeling lonely and sometimes you feel lonely but you're in a crowd of people or you're wow. in a relationship right so aloneness is the objective experience of being alone loneliness is your subjective or your spin experience of aloneness That's so good. right yeah. yeah so they're they're totally different things you can be alone and not lonely. You can be lonely and not alone. Yeah. Okay. That's the first recognition. And in your aloneness is where you discover true peace, love, and happiness within yourself. And in your aloneness, you also discover that you're all one with yourself and with other people, with everything and everybody in the world. In your aloneness, it could be prayer, it could be meditation, it could be a self-love journal, it could be a brag book, it could be a book of positive aspects. It could what's, be, what's a brag book? A brag book is um, you just reminding yourself of all the things that you love and appreciate about yourself or that you love and appreciate about the world or other people, fine. But I love you starting with yourself so that you don't outsource or delegate this peace, love, and happiness thing to other people. Yeah. So a brag book is just another word for a self-love journal yeah. or a book of positive aspects. But the idea is looking for the best within yourself and coming or finding a way to rediscover the infinite peace, love, and happiness that exists within you already. Mm. That's the game. You yeah. discover that, it's like you're infinite instantly a billionaire or a trillionaire you could spend that all day every day you're never going to run out of money yes. you could spend that peace love and happiness all day every day you're not going to run out of peace love and happiness so the idea is to rediscover or reconnect or find agreement or alignment again with your source yeah called god okay so so aloneness is the step so that's where you can reconnect so what would be one tactical thing that you could tell yeah. someone right now? You gave them a bunch of different things, yes. but they could only do one because yes. we know complexity is killer yeah. success. So yes. one thing, what would that be that someone could do if they're feeling uh, that lack of peace, love, and happiness in their life? Yeah, so say it's, um, maybe two possibilities. Um, All right, we'll, I have we'll this give them split decision. Yes, exactly. Um, positive thoughts or no thoughts, okay? So positive thoughts is, um, another way of saying that is look for things to love within yourself. And don't stop until it becomes a habit, until it becomes automatic. And look for things, and if you can't do that for any reason, look for things to love about everybody and everything in the world, no matter who you're with or not with, no matter what you're doing or not doing. Mm. Like, look for reasons to love, period. You don't have to love people. Yes. You can love a flower. You can love the sunset. You, but look for things to love and for reasons to feel good as consistently as humanly possible. Ideally, start with yourself. When I started that practice, the only thing I could come up with was I'm um, trying to love myself. That was it mm. in the beginning. Like I was like, I hate the way I look. I hate the way I talk. I hate everything about myself. So I would just stay beating this one drum, which was like, I'm really trying to love myself and I love that about me. Mm. And then I came up with the second one. Wait, I, I really do try to love people. I really do. I do. I care about people. And I would just beat that drum. And I would say of all the seemingly unlovable things about myself long enough, that I began to sort of vibrate in this self-loving way. Yes. And then when you look back at all these seemingly unlovable things about yourself or other people, even they look lovable. Yes. All of a sudden you're like, oh, I kind of like that they're like annoying sometimes. Yes. It's funny. Yes. So I'd say that's the 
So would you recommend them like literally tangibly writing this down or thinking about it? Yes. So every day, keep a a self-love journal. Every single day, come up with two or three bullets. Don't have to go and write in a long-winded way, just bullets of things that you love and appreciate about yourself. Okay. And it can be anything. It could be your little toe. doesn't matter. Okay. The point is that you keep it authentic and you do it every day and you do it until it becomes automatic for a habit. Yeah. That's where you start. Wow. Yeah. So good. And yeah. if you do two or three, you're probably going to be like, oh, I could do five. Or, and that's where if you're a competitive person, but you're freaking going through <laughs> the worst of times, you're like, I'm going to go to half of the page. You know what? I'm already halfway. I'm going to yep. go all the way. And yes. that's like what happens every time. And you're like, oh my God, I feel so much better. Yes. It, it's true. It, it's very, very true with what you're saying. And I, I want to add a layer deeper onto this for people that are like still struggling with this in the sense of, you know, everything has a frequency. And we were just talking beforehand about uh, an incredible book, Power Versus Force. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a complex read in the sense of like, it's a lot of like, holy crap, that's, that's you know, complex stuff, yes. <laughs> to say the least. But it, there's, a, there's a, a, an emotional scale of the emotions we experience and uh, the actual frequency. And like before, people would hear these words frequency and be like, okay, that's just woo-woo. Yeah. But no, the, like everything has a vibration. Like you could physically measure this, look at this. And when people experience emotions and they've done it in multiple ways, it's not just them expressing it, it could then be just them thinking it or seeing a photo that expresses an idea of fear or stress, a frequency comes from that. And what you just shared is so powerful because, you know, people sometimes get stuck in a slump and they're in a lower frequency, which is, you know, stress, anger, resentment, guilt, whatever those things are. And there's a different scale. You could search up emotional guidance uh, scale and you could learn about Mm. this. But what you are saying is that even if you cannot find right now and and, and you're just being real, and this might be one of these episodes that you do want to share with someone that's struggling. And and if you're listening to this and you know someone, just tell them fast forward to whatever time this is and and just watch these two minutes. They don't tell them not to watch the whole thing because they wouldn't, right? That's right. But writing out those two to three things, even if it's about, you know, I love the LA Lakers, right? Yes. Like, cause there's nothing else you love besides sports, beer and, and, you know, NASCAR, yes. right? Yes. Like, I don't think yes. I have maybe those yeah. types of listeners, but who knows, right? Yeah. yeah. But the sheer act of you actually being authentic, like you said, and expressing that love, what's happening is when you express that it's, causing the higher frequency yes so the first day you after you do it you'd still probably feel like crap right you're yep. not going to change like that right. and you can but most times it'll take some time but when you do it again and do it again and now you're going to be getting more normalized that frequency and your frequency literally is rising this is not woo this is literally science and you're that's where you said eventually you're going to start looking at people and be like oh that guy is pretty funny or i do like what he says before where you'd be like who the F is this guy? Dude, you just nailed it. Oh gosh, that's so good. Shit. Like, okay. It's so good. So I, just, I have to just, and we can't unpack it all because that's a probably I know, we would a go, three-week workshop. Yeah, that'd be a workshop. Yeah, exactly. And that's a whole other conversation. That's a whole other conversation. But I will be say. Be ready to come to our workshop. That's right. That's right. right. That's right. You're all invited. Um, you're right. So with the positive, psych- the field of positive psychology brings the conversation is um, some evidence and some empirical data around that, right? So we know, for instance, that happy people, we can all the so-called them self-loving people, uh, people who look for things to love about themselves mm-hmm. and others. That's one way of putting it. I think love and happiness are synonymous. They're synonyms, really. We don't think about it that way often, but that's what it is. When you're happy, you're looking at and focusing on things that you love, mm-hmm. right? Um, when you're loving, you're focusing on what you're happy about, right? That's one way of saying it. So the beautiful thing about positive psychology is they've done all these studies, 
and they basically found that happy people experience better lives overall. Okay, more successful lives overall. They live 67 years longer. They make about $600 to $700,000 more on average over the course of their entire lifetime. They get married earlier, stay married longer, and are happier than all the relationships, whether they're married or not. The rate is more attractive than their unhappy counterparts. They uh, experience less job burnout. In all ways, their lives are better. What's also interesting is that when you're happy, you're more loving. Mm-hmm. Right, so happy people donate more money to charities, to social causes, to nonprofits. They donate more time and energy. They're kinder, and um, they're just more selfless. But also, by being loving, they increase their happiness. Right, so it's what we call a virtuous cycle. The happier mm-hmm. you are, the more yes. loving you are. The more loving you are, the happier you are. So, to your point, when you're happy, happy people are better lovers. Okay, happy people are easier to love. Think about it. It's so easy to love a happy person. Right. But they also find others easier to love. Mm. So just think about it. When you're happy, the things that normally bother you about other people don't bother you nearly as much. But also, when you're happy, other people aren't, like, you're not bothered by them and they're not bothered by you as much, right? So it works both ways. Mm-hmm. So the idea, essentially, to your point, is that, yes, the happier you are, the more loving you are, but also the more love you find. Mm. Bro, so good. Yeah. This is good. So the tactical thing is to just write those down, write something you can find love either in yourself or of things around anything. And that's, that's really, really good. And and don't stop at two to three aim for two to three. So you can still feel completion, but don't stop on that. Yeah. Let's talk about people that feel, you know, they feel maybe, uh, especially in the relationship side with the love there's, they're not able to maybe fully experience love Mm -hmm. or they're not able to, um, they feel like they're not, let's do either. They're not fully able to experience love, or maybe they don't feel like they're receiving the love. Like, and this is going back to what you said earlier, which yes. is we have the love, but what, what about if oh. that's the story is like, I don't feel like I'm receiving the love. I should be, I'm doing so much. I, I, I better than I've ever been, but like, I don't feel like I'm receiving love and it's, and it's causing me a lot of pain. Yeah. There's a great quote and I'm going to butcher it here, right. but it's like, um, you know, um, Loveless people go searching for love and never find it. Only those who have found love within themselves never have to find, never have to search for it, and therefore always find it. Mm. Right. So, so the idea, essentially, in other words, that was is, really good. Yeah. yeah right. Pretty well. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. I give it a succinct, abbreviated version. We'll give you eight point five. Okay, five, five, eight point five. <laughs> we'll get that one point five next time. I'm gonna go yeah, back. We'll and, work on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, work on <laughs> it. Um, the, the idea, to your point, is that, um, and I call it being love able. You know, Robert Holden actually wrote a great book called um, Lovable, hmm. Love Able. And the idea is that in order to be love able, in order to both give and receive love, you truly do have to love yourself. Okay. If, if and when you don't love yourself, so let's imagine you don't love yourself, you hate yourself. Yeah. It not only prevents you from giving love to others in an authentic way, because you're giving now with expectation of reciprocity. You're calling it love, but it's really just an attempt to get something from yeah. each other to extract. Yeah. We can't call that love. That's just me trying to manipulate the situation to get the love from you, yes. right? So we don't really love people. But not only can you not give love, you can't receive love either, which means you don't trust people when they tell you, you're so beautiful, you're so smart, I love mm-hmm. you. You think, what are they up to? I know myself better than that person. I'm an idiot. I'm not beautiful at all. I'm super ugly or whatever, right? So in science, it's really um, an entire field around like self-concept theory. We know that people who have a negative self-concept for themselves, people who don't love themselves, they can't receive 
positive feedback about themselves. They have a hard time receiving compliments. And so they don't trust it. They distrust it. They only seek out and believe information that confirms their negative self-concept. And also, for the most part, that's also true in the other direction. When you truly deeply love yourself and you have a positive self-concept, you kind of only really believe the stuff that's positive and supportive in you. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you can't make changes and you know, tweak things or improve things about yourself or your life. But yes, you nailed and hit something really important and significant here. When you meet someone who can't receive love or talks about not being able to receive love um, and not experience the love they want, you can almost always be certain this is a person who hasn't truly loved themselves and doesn't truly love themselves and hasn't found the source of love that exists within themselves. Because when you find Mm. that source that exists within yourself and you truly love yourself, you see love showing up everywhere. It's like the Tootsie Roll commercial again, right? All of a sudden you're in love with Tootsie Rolls and you just feel like they're everywhere. You start seeing them everywhere. So it's another word for that is selective attention or selective perception. Um, But the idea is that it's really hard to receive something that you don't trust because you think you know better. You think you know yourself better. I definitely know that resonates with people. So let's say that type of person right there, they, they are struggling to receive it because of that identity they have. And maybe it's a, they know they have a block or whatever it is. What would you recommend for this person that is struggling to to receive it? Yeah. So I think a great addition to this conversation is really what I call telling better feeling stories based in truth might be one way of summarizing optimism or gratitude. It's one way of talking about love or happiness. It's also one way of talking about Byron Katie's work, which is really an abbreviated form of cognitive behavioral therapy. But the idea is that instead of vetting conversations or thoughts based only on whether or not they're true, can I also vet them based on whether or not they're helpful, supportive, and constructive, right? So in other words, somebody says, oh gosh, I love you and this and that. Now, of course, our mind goes to That's not true. I know myself better than them. But what would be an equally true but better feeling way of thinking about that entire scenario? Mm -hmm. You'd say, well, um, maybe they they don't know me as well as I do, but they sure are trying to give me something helpful. Mm -hmm. They're trying to support me in some way. Like it's a better feeling yet truthful, right? Now, part of you might say, well, maybe they're trying to manipulate me, this and that. Okay, fine. How can you think about that in a way that's better feeling? You could say, well, maybe they're trying to manipulate me or convince me to do something I don't want to do by complimenting me, but I can still think about, I can still lock my doors and also say, you know, I like to think that about myself too. So I'm going to lean into that, yeah. right? So part of the, so, so there's two ways of saying it. One is ask yourself a different question. Like you spoke to earlier, Jake, which is so beautiful. It's like, how can I see this or experience this in a way that's more supportive and constructive with respect to what I most want to experience or feel in my life? If I truly want to feel at peace or want to feel happy or experience more love or self-love, then I'm going to look at this and experience this differently just based on the decision. Mm. Um, so I would say that's probably a huge piece. Another simpler sort of approach is just to say, thank you, I fully receive that. Like sometimes you can just say it even if you don't believe it and you'll notice that as you continue to say it, you start to believe it. Mm. So that's something I did was just, anytime I get a compliment, I used to really just dismiss them and say, oh, you too. And that was always true. But I'm learning to say, thank you. I fully receive that. Stop. Full stop. That's often enough. Believe it or not, if you do it often enough, you'll start to believe it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when, when people, um, you know, you, you try to visualize and it's like you do the visualization every day and you absolutely don't believe it or you can't even like imagine that life. But over time, if you keep doing it and keep doing it, then it's, things start to happen. You're like, oh, this starts to work. And that's when then the belief finally comes in. So it's the same thing like this. Oh, Jake, that's so good, dude. Like, you're right. Um, and Abraham Hicks speaks to this well, which is yeah. like, you know, um, 
you think it's true because it's true. When the truth is, it's only true because you've practiced thinking about it until you believe it's true, right? Mm. So it's your thoughts and beliefs that lead to this truth showing up. So in other words, um, the more you focus on something, the more of it you seem to get. So people hate me. Now, everywhere I go, I have that thought and I focus on that thought. I'm going to, through what we call the confirmation bias, experience more of that. It's like a good metaphor is algorithms. So you go to Instagram, you go to Google, wherever, and you do a little search. And at first you're like, I'm going to find some nice new clean kicks. Okay, I'm going to look for some kicks, like some shoes. So next thing you know, you just enter that search once or twice, but now it's showing up everywhere on your freaking (laughs) feed, right? Now you're getting shoes from everywhere. Everyone wants to sell you some shoes. And you're like, wow, the whole world, all they care about is shoes. But really, it's just you feeding the algorithm. Yes. That's set up in such a way that it gives you back more of what you asked for. And your for. brain is, a, is the same type of machine. It's just an algorithm. Exactly. Yeah. So you get more of what you focus on and you get more of what you, um, you know, obsess about, worry about. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good, man. And, you know, people like, like listening right now, like you may, there's those little things as entrepreneurs, as go-getters, we tend to push aside and say, well, that doesn't relate to me. I'm not in a terrible situation where it's like, I feel like I'm, I want to take my life. Like, and then you could automatically push this aside and be like, no, I don't need to do that. But, but the truth is, is dig in and listen and hear and what are the areas? Because if you think everything's good, then that's the first problem, mm. right? And, and dig in and be like, you know what? Okay, like he, he, you know, Rob is talking extremes in some sense for like absolute despair or whatnot, but there is despair in some sense. And even if it's, you know, a, a couple percentile, a little bit of despair over time, that, that starts to rust the internals. That starts to cause, you know, erosion within Oof. and don't underestimate that. And that's the silent killer for people is sometimes they only look for the big thing where it's the, the big problem. But it's usually the small one that starts to erode and then it's too late. So just take these words right now and and truthfully ask those questions of like, where can I apply this? Don't let this be things that you put aside. But because I'm thinking these things, I'm like, where can I apply this? Where can I be even better, you know, with my my personal love? And and, and how can I find because when you talk and I see it exuberates, you're like the peace, love, happiness and you're glowing all the time. I'm like, I'm like, and I know you've worked on that and it's a journey. So I, I aspire, I get inspired by that, inspired. And I'm personally right now, even though I'm in this, this interview with you, I'm thinking like, how can I heal areas of my life that maybe don't seem as drastic, but I know they're there. Yes. And that's the real work. And if you can do that and not push it aside because you think you're good enough, that's that's the the status quo and oh. you won't get to the next level because it's those little shifts the two millimeter shifts that takes you from great to extraordinary that's and it's right. not just in business it's in th- these things too oh it's so good you're, jake you're absolutely right about that i mean uh, it's true even if you're hitting or seeming to be hitting on all cylinders um even more it's even more important really to um continuously we'll call it improve um but maybe eliminate the efficiency gaps in your life maybe mm-hmm. maybe reduce the drag on this NASCAR, like yeah. right like, like let's reduce the drag like how can we do that because you know when you're at the top of your game and you're let's say we'll call it competing although we don't i don't think either of us really believe in competing but you're competing um and you're at the top of your game those are games that are won by um inches yes not feet not yards right those are those are games that are won by seconds or microseconds right um so what that means is that even the tiniest little tweak in this one little area over here that you've been wasting a lot of time energy and effort on can get you a significant yes improvement in your life 
or your relationships or your financial situation. So you're right. There's always something. Um, you can call it work on. You can also just say it's something to explore and something to explore, right? Like and to allow more different energy with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you're you're absolutely right about that. Um, it's important to recognize that you don't have to be at the extremes yeah. in order to experience more peace, love, happiness, or abundance in your life. Yeah. Um, and you know, good for you for being there. Um, but yeah, um, explore where you are, and um, there are always things that you can enjoy more of. Explore. I like that word. Find areas to explore. Men, listen right now. Do not ever tell a woman yeah. that we need to fix something. Yeah, yeah. All right, unless it's like something in the house. Yeah. If so, you ever say yeah. that, trust me, I've I've one time and done yeah, my yeah. lesson, and I felt the wrath. But like, do not ever try to fix another person. But you know, mm. men like we just we want to fix things. So we, sometimes we're just blind to that. But I like the word explore. Oh, that's so good. And you're right about that. I think. I'm a fixer too. Helping professionals, we like to fix. Yes, yes. And, um, you know, learning just to listen, not needing to fix yeah. is extraordinarily valuable. Also, it allows for people to be seen and felt and heard in ways they couldn't otherwise feel mm-hmm. any of those things. And it allows people to come to their own um, solutions yes. that are much more effective for them because they're bought in on them. Yes, they believe in it. It's their fact, it's their truth. It's yeah. you putting it on there. Totally. Um, and there's something too, and I know I'm sure you've experienced this too, which is like, you know, often it's the people that are closest to you um, that especially don't want you fixing them. Yes. And, the, and the people that are closest to you that um, you have the hardest time believing in with respect to their insight or their guidance or advice. It's like, that's just the carpenter's son. Mm. He can't do miracles. It's just the carpenter's son, we know him. Mm. You know, it's like, you know, the only place a prophet isn't received is his or her own hometown kind of thing, right? So you want to be careful with that, the only especially. Reason, the only place where a prophet isn't received is in their own hometown. Yes. Go go back to what you just said, which is, uh, you know, the people closest to you don't want to be fixed or whatnot. Why yeah. is that? Yeah. Um, so um, on one level, familiarity breeds liking, but eventually over time, also familiarity, familiarity can breed contempt. It's a little of that, right? Um, also, most importantly, they see you day in and day out. So they say, see you over in the corner where you're struggling, you're having a little t- meltdown, a temper tantrum. They see and hear what you say after that phone call with that difficult person. So they have um, a more intimate, closer perspective and experience in your life. Also, you're much more available and accessible to them. Sometimes there's something about people or things being a little less accessible, um, a little harder to reach or contact that makes it seem much more valuable and worthwhile. You know, that's why Tony Robbins can say something. You maybe never met Tony Robbins, went to one event. Oh, that's gold. And it is gold. It is gold. I've been telling you that 10 Yeah, yeah, exactly. Meanwhile, Jake's been saying it for 15 years as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, so they're like, ah, Jake. But they hear from him or strangers on the street, all of a sudden they can receive. Yes. So it's important to remember that. That that, that just, I know that freed up a lot of people. Please, like if there are people in your your lives that they are going to judge you in that sense. And you get that question of like, well, I thought they loved me. Why? And then that's when all these, these limiting beliefs start coming up. Like, let that be the liberation right there. Yes. So good. Let that go. Let, let's pivot into here. Yeah. I know we're yeah. going over so much, but dude, you got your new book coming yeah. up. Are you it already is? Yeah, out. it's out. Yep. Um, what made you write this one? It's, it's by the way, it's love from the inside yeah. out. It's a second book. The first one was happiness from the inside yeah. out. And was, was that a bestseller? Um, yes, sure. It's a bestseller. Yeah, it's yeah. always a bestseller. Yeah, always a bestseller. Happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this book, and I, I want you to describe it, and, and we're going to talk about it, but what I loved about this book is the moment you, I well, the moment I opened it up, yeah. 
it, I, and I told you before this, I was like, dude, this is not a normal book. Yeah. This is like, I'm, I feel like I'm reading like a poetry mm. book because of the, 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 the paper and then the, the text, like yeah. it's not just a basic vanilla book, but the, then the words, the context of it. And you were telling me that you wanted to have more of mm. truly love and passion come through this. Speak on so that, So good, yes. Um, love is not math, it's music. You know, it's not mm. prose, it's poetry. Um, and it's easy for those of us who are over analytical, um, or just analytical in general, to um, see love and try to experience love and try to plot and plan and script our love lives in ways that lean more into an analytical, conceptual, transactional experience of life and others and of our, ourselves when that doesn't work at all. Um, love is uh, heart-centered, um, sort of faceless, formless, divine uh, experience, we'll call it experience, um, that you cannot plot and plan and script in that way. That always backfires. So I wanted um, the delivery um, to reflect this softer, heart-centered, fluid, poetic, musical sort of experience that love really is. Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't want to be so over analytical, um, you know, so, so it's that also um, that's the way it kind of showed up for me anyway, you know, uh, it's interesting how we evolve over time. I've never really been into poetry, um, but I, you know, of course I've read Hafiz and Rumi and, um, you know, and fall in love with Rilke, you know, and fell in love with these folks over the year, these um, poets. And um, I discovered that sometimes you're able to say something in a much more powerful poignant way, either by not saying it, right, mm -hmm. or by saying it in a way that's a little different. Um, so yeah, that's the first piece. The second piece in terms of why, well, every piece of advice or guidance that I ever give, I'm clear. It's first and foremost intended for me, okay? Mm -hmm. Like if nobody ever gets any of it or receives any of it or doesn't make sense to anybody else, I get it, that's okay, because it was always first and foremost meant for me. Like I know that, like I, it's my job to live the message, not anybody else's job to live that message. Um, so I wrote it, one, to clarify my thoughts on all of that, um, and two, I think to provide some support to people, because I hear consistently how lonely people are, especially these mm -hmm. days, how um, conflict-ridden their relationships with themselves and others often is. Um, and I wanted to provide a resource, um, a sounding board, a helping hand to folks that were struggling with that. And I wanted to do it in a way that didn't just sound like typical self-help and relationship yeah. So what do people expect? Like if they wanted to read this, maybe they are feeling like what you just said. What do they expect when they read this? Is it more of like you're tackling like a topic of like I'm like feelings of loneliness, yeah. like, yeah. and then they're going to get solutions, tools. Is it more just yes. more of a feeling? What, what does that ah, look like? Good question. So the book is written um, in the form of like meditations. Okay. Mm. So each uh, page, essentially each entry is sort of a different download that came to me in meditation or prayer, you know? So the effort is just, in every page, it's different. Now, those meditations are organized into 12 different sort of sections or chapters, mm -hmm. um, you know, beginning with things like, you know, love is felt oneness with life. Another word for life could be God. You can call it source, intelligence, the universe, whatever word resonates with you. Um, and then, you know, it, at the same time, shares practices along the way. So we talk about presence and active listening. We talk about um, positive communication. Like how can you say what you wanna say in a way that's true, but is said in such a way that it keeps the other person's mind and heart open to actually receive it, not shut down, 
mm-hmm. and not just receive it, but happily and enthusiastically apply it. Mm-hmm. Like, how can you get your way? We all know we all want to get our way. How can you get your way with people in a much more effective fashion that doesn't require you to be strategic or manipulative or lie mm-hmm. and also treat the other person with respect and love? So yes, it's full of um, tips, tricks, and tools. Um, and it's really an effort to capture a whole lot in just a few hundred pages. I love that, yeah. dude. Did you ever feel like you would be writing this type of uh, work in the in the way that you did no. with the meditations and the downloads? No, like- I, I don't think I. I don't. In my, I don't think most of my life is a life that I ever thought I would live. Like yeah. I never really. No, not at all. It's a great question. In fact, I remember in college I had a professor, Professor Mullen. One day he came up to me. He was a sports psychology professor, and he said, "Rob, I got to say something to you, son. You're a great writer." And I remember thinking. Did he read somebody else's work and think it's me? Like, yeah. I'm not a good writer. I'm not a great writer. And I don't like writing. I don't like writing at all. So the fact that I write anything ever <laughs> yeah. is kind of wild to me because I never set out to be a writer. I, ne- I love books. I love reading books. Yeah. But I'm always so amazed and impressed by what other people write that I don't, I never felt like there's nothing for me to write. And then sometimes things come through and you're like, I should put that down on paper. Yeah. What's uh, for more on the entrepreneurial side? And I, yeah. lo- I love how you just shared the context of this, but on the entrepreneurial side, and, and let's get strategic on this. What has having a book, mm. even let's just say yeah. the first book, yeah. right? Yeah. What has that done for your business, your ability to get into doors? What What was maybe the biggest thing that you noticed uh, or that happened because you had a book behind you? Credibility. You know, credibility. There's something about it, writing a book that allows people to lean in and trust that you must. One, be really committed <laughs> to what you're talking about mm-hmm. in some way. I like that. That's a good point. Yeah, Very good point. right. And they also feel that you probably have done some research as well. And you probably have had lots of conversations with lots of people about it, right? So you've really been immersed in the material. So there's trust in that. There's credibility in that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first piece. I think the second piece is to, um, it can lend itself to talks or workshops um, or other engagement media stuff. Um, one, because it's always nice to share some new product or services available. So it's kind of a landing place and mm-hmm. gives people an action step. But also, um, I think there's an intuitive sort of sense that there's some structure to the conversation too, right? It takes a lot of work to just organize or structure a book. So most folks feel that if you've written a book, you have a message and you have a structured or intentional way of delivering that message. So I think that also helps. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's mostly been credibility. Um, and trust, uh, building experience, um, and yeah, I'd say probably that's the biggest piece. So would you say that your speaking today is, is highly um, accredited because of the immersive work you put into this book? So that's why you could spit out all these different yes. you know, phrases and stories and examples? Yes, absolutely. You know, um, for sure. Like you're much more likely to get PR if you have a book. These days, just having a social media platform is plenty, or just that you've produced something yeah. um, for consumption. Yeah. And the other piece of it, I think, too, is that um, sometimes it's, it's not even the book itself. It's more of like what the book allows you to be or show, right? Like when you spend so much time thinking about one subject in a deep way, when you have conversations, you connect with people, you're able to sort of see things or say things about that particular topic in a way that other people who haven't spent that much time in a focused fashion mm-hmm. thinking about it could do, right? Or could mm-hmm. say, they couldn't say it that same way or think about it that same way because they just haven't spent as much time on it. So a good example is people will say, um, you know, something like I've been abandoned, 
right? Like we said earlier, or um, I want to you know, enjoy our experience more love, or I've been lonely. Um, as a result of just having spent so much time on this topic, I can actually dive in so much deeper and say, well, what is loneliness? And you realize real quickly, most people haven't really thought that through. Or what is love? That's a big question. Like, what is love? We just assume that we know what each of us is talking about when we say love, mm-hmm. but actually we use the same word, but we mean often significantly different things. In fact, you could almost boil down all relationship problems to one question or one problem, which is that how do you define love? And you could really see in your answers where you connect and disconnect. So when I say love, I mean. Mm. When you say love, what do you mean? And I realize we have drastically different yeah, answers about wow. that. Right? Um, so yeah, so I think more than anything else, it allows you to share what you know, what you've learned, what you've experienced on a topic um, with more depth than you could otherwise, just because you put the time and energy in. Yeah. yeah. What does love mean to you? It's felt love, uh, felt, felt oneness with life. Love is felt oneness with life itself. Not life conditions and circumstances, but the peaceful aliveness that exists within you all the time, right? So in your hands and feet, there's a life energy. There's a non-physical energy. That faceless, formless, thoughtless, wordless, infinite, eternal, peaceful aliveness that doesn't feel like much when you feel into it for the first time. But the more you feel into it, it's like a dimmer switch. It kind of turns up intensity of it. When you continue just practicing the presence of life called God, source, non-physical energy, when you practice the presence of that for its own sake, not thinking about it, not talking about it, just feeling into it. Even when you're in a conversation, feel into that. If you want, you could say, just practice the presence of God, no matter who and what you're Mm -hmm. with. Consistently as possible for its own sake. So not to get something. I'm not trying to manifest something. I'm not trying to, I'm not punching into in a four digit code, like an ATM in order to get more money. Just Correct. the way I spend time with Jake. I love spending time with you just because you're you. I don't need anything from you. When you practice the presence of peaceful aliveness or life within your own body and the, within the life, within the body of everybody else, you come to not only feel an unconditional love, what I can also call happiness, you also begin to emit this unconditional and you also begin to solicit from others an experience. So everything begins to feel a lot more full. It's chock full of love, mm-hmm. right? So that's one way to talk about it. The other way to talk about it is that love is just your self-love shared, another way to put it, or love is your happiness shared. Mm-hmm. It's bliss overflowing. All different ways of talking about it. it sound, they all sound like different things but they're not. Like love and happiness are not two separate different energies. It's one energy perceived from two different ways, right? It's not two different coins. It's one coin with two sides. Yeah, I see that. Yeah. Is this your truth that you've experienced or is this a, a, a belief you adopted? This is, my, this is my truth. Okay. I had heard something similar in different ways, but yeah. it never quite resonated. And then as I explored it more and more, I'm like, you know, it's true. When I'm happy, I love effortlessly. So you fully align with this. Like mm. when you're saying these things, this is your actual truth where it's not just you're sharing the, the beliefs of what love is tended to be. Like yeah. this is like you to the raw real you feel with what yes. you said. Yeah, because like I remember trying to love people when I was really not self-loving and mm. I would not call that love. That was me trying to get something from them, mm. right? It doesn't mean I didn't feel something for them. It doesn't mean that at all. It just, I think love gets a bad name. So... As I continue to like 
work and deepen this process and try not to get my discursive mind about it. Just like, what is love? Like ask that question sometimes to your intuition, to your higher self, to your soul, to God. Just ask that question and just sit and wait for an answer that doesn't come from your mind. Just wait for a download that you know isn't really like your voice, like your human yeah. voice. And you not only begin to have like little revelations around it, but you have your own experience of it, which is so much more true than something you're going to read. Like even whatever I put in my books, yeah. it's my way of explaining what I've experienced, but the explanation isn't the experience, right? The experience is something entirely different. That's ineffable. Yeah. It can't be explained. Um, so yeah, J um, Jake, it's, I made a commitment early in my life to not share my guesses. People have enough guesses of their own. If I haven't lived it, I don't, I try not to share it. That's, you know, good. that's why I don't talk about money. <laughs> I don't talk about a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> that's good, man. That's gosh, my brother, you are just, you're such a gift. Mm -hmm. You really are. Mm -hmm. I am so excited to see what you're about to do. And, and for people that are listening in, stay tuned because I think there's going to be a lot of things between us that mm -hmm. you're going to see this man more often. But with what you were sharing and the people that are in your life, they're not there by accident. Mm -hmm. They're around you because you've allowed for love to come in, but you give it off and you're filling a lot of voids that people maybe need to be filled that are, are not of what God needs to fill because we know that's the ultimate void, but voids of knowing that they could trust into another human like no one else they've ever trusted into wow. knowing that you know these people that are entrusting you to share this mission or this vision of of impact and 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 transforming people's lives like they've maybe been looking for that for like 10 15 25 30 years who knows and they finally see that and and so for you to accept and step into that i know it's going to lead to great things mm. and i'm honored to know that and i'm honored to see that and to experience it and I, and I, I should have mentioned this earlier as we, as we start to wrap up here, but I love sharing how I, I meet these guests, people that I bring on here, because I want it to be real for people to know that. Remember five years ago from this time, I was just a nurse with no idea of personal development. I didn't even, um, I, I had no confidence in myself. I was a senior captain on, on my basketball team and I was still getting picked on. Like I didn't know how to freaking lead a team, even though I had a C on my chest, it doesn't mean I was a captain, right? Um, so don't ever discredit yourself, but I met Rob. It was, I remember it was, it was a random coincidence, just like this, yes. this woman at the airport. Good thing it wasn't a 10 year <laughs> but this was about probably two years ago. It was during the whole crazy lockdown stuff here in California. And it was at a coffee shop. And I remember just, uh, actually we weren't supposed to meet. No, we don't. I remember hearing about you and I knew you looked oh. familiar. I'm walking out of the coffee shop and, and I was like, I was like, is that Rob? And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, and then so I was like, hey, and then I connected the dots. I was like, this is how I know of you and all these things. And, and we sat down, we sat down for like literally an hour and talked and connected and, and talked about commonalities, basketball, and we wanted to hoop oh. and, you know, oh, you're doing this. And oh, I know about Tony Robbins. So like, that's how we made the connection. But you know what? Like we didn't have, we, we stayed in touch on social media. We, we texted here and there. There wasn't any like big touch points uh, really because you were traveling, I'm traveling. But we were in the presence and we stayed aware of each other. And now here we are today where I just hit you up and I was like, brother, I got this podcast. I want to spread this message. And now we have this amazing message you shared. So many lives are going to be impacted. I really believe that. I truly do. And we're going to be doing some things that I couldn't even imagine. And it's because of that just one interaction to just have good connection no matter what the outcome was. Shivers, man. You get, I get these soul shivers when I yeah, connect with somebody's truth. I see that. My truth. And that like this conversation will be a conversation and a meeting i'll remember forever man like mm. seriously 
you know, you, when you meet people, and this is this is what I love so much about you, Jake. Truly, is like every time I've seen you, talk to you, you show up. You're the, you show up the same way. Mm. You show up the same way, powerfully, eloquently, lovingly, peacefully, enthusiastically. Every single time, man. Every single time. And that conversation, I mean, it was like explosion after explosion. It's like fire, right? Every time you're like, oh my god, I had this basketball experience, and you did too. Yeah. And you're like, tell me, you're like, oh, phenomenal. And so I just want folks to know um, what I know, which is that you do this work from such a heart-centered place and you do it from such a place of sincerity, of genuinely wanting to help people and serve people. Mm -hmm. That is so profound and so rare and it's so beautiful, man. And it's what makes you so special. And it's the reason I love and appreciate you so much and the reason I know that you and I are going to continue to collaborate and cooperate on things. No question about it. So just thank you, first of all, Jake, yeah. for letting me be not just a part of this conversation, but a part of your life, brother. You. And um, I'm just looking forward to continuing the friendship and just seeing you continue to shine. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Real. And you, dude, you've been back to back, like literally, you don't even live here in California. Yeah. This is where we're recording it. So like you had so much things going on, but everything you just shared, I received that. But it, that's probably why you're here right now, because it could have been oh, next time, this time, whatever. Um, but please take that away for you listening right now. Like if you have a mission, if you have the congruency of your verbal and nonverbal align and, and other people see that and you can just keep working at your craft, like how, you know, Rob has with his, with his, um, his love and his happiness studying, like people will feel no other calling, but to support it. And I think that's why we're here for almost probably two hours. I don't even know how long we've been going on this, but I want to, I want to wrap this up with two questions. Yeah. Number question. Number one is, well, is there anything that we didn't touch up on or anything that's on your heart that you just want to share? Just kind of like uh, one last message for someone that's, you know, coming from Mr. Rob Mack. Yeah, yeah, man, that's a great question. Um, I don't think so. I would say that um, at the end of the day, you can be and do and have anything you want, anything you want. And you don't have to know a whole lot. In fact, you don't have to know anything at all. You know, um, all you have to do, in my perspective, is just find alignment with yourself. You know, just find alignment with yourself. For me, that's what I call happiness or peace or love. Um, and I'm consistently blown away by how much I don't know and yet how well my life goes. Like, have I earned it? Can I say I've deserved it? Not really. I mean, people say, well, you rock so hard. I, I, but I love what I do. And I made a commitment a long time ago that if I don't love it, I'm going to try not to do it. I'm going to outsource it, delegate it, reduce, eliminate, automate, and regulate, right? Those six things. Mm. I'm going to try to find a strategic way to get it out of my life. Right, and um, I've continued to do that. And I've had people say, Rob, you leave so much money on the table. And it's like, okay, oh, if there's so much left on the table, there must be so much more where that comes from. And so I guess I wanna encourage everyone to trust your intuition, to seek alignment with yourself, I'll call it finding happiness or love within, and trust that if you seek happiness within, success from without will follow, will be added. You know, if you can find love within, I promise you, you'll find love without. That's really what I want to leave people with is that you don't have to figure it all out. You don't have to know a whole lot or anything at all. Um, if you can, instead of trying to figure out how the world operates and how other people operate and just get clear about how you operate and lean into that, you'll be so much more successful and so much happier and experience so much more love in your life, whether it's inside or outside a relationship, um, than you could possibly experience otherwise. That's beautiful, bro. Yeah. What a great way to wrap that yeah. up. Last question. Yes. And we've, we've touched up on it multiple times, but what does living or creating or living or creating a strategic life mean to you? Mm. So this is going to 
be more practical and tactical probably than I'm, I was expecting. I'm down but for yeah, whatever. I think yeah. we're all down for that. Yeah, so I'd say um, here's what it means to me. It's probably six or seven steps, and I'll keep it brief. One, scheduling a strategic planning session with yourself once a week, right? Where you sit down and you do the following. One, you remind yourself what you're optimizing your entire life for. Forget about your business for a second. Forget about everybody else. What's your life for? And you don't have to have the best answer. You don't have to have any answer at all at first. It might just be happiness. It might be family. It might be love. It might be tons of money. No wrong answers. That's number one. And then what you want to do is reverse engineer out of your life everything that doesn't contribute to that primary life objective or purpose. And you do that a number of ways. One, you identify four buckets. Happiness islands, success islands, happiness deserts, success deserts. Happiness islands, those are activities you love for their own sake. Success islands are things that you're extraordinarily gifted at easily. Mm. Happiness deserts, things you don't enjoy, don't love. Success deserts, things you're not particularly good at or you're good at, but it takes way too much time, energy, and effort. You're wanting to reverse engineer out of your life all your deserts and all non-essentials. So if it doesn't meaningfully contribute to the ultimate objective you have for your life or it's not and you don't love it or it's something you don't love or aren't particularly good at, outsource, delegate, reduce, eliminate, automate, or regulate, period. So that all you're left with are islands and ideally you're overlapping islands. So those are things that you love and you're really good at. Mm -hmm. That's where all your time, energy, and effort should go. When you do that, you're 500% to 1,000% more effective, efficient, and efficacious with whatever you're doing in your life, right? So that means it feels like play to you and yet you're outperforming everyone and they're struggling so hard. They're working 10 times as hard as you, but they're not able to keep up, right? So if you really want to lean into your competitive advantage or core competencies or sweet spot, you want to sort of work and walk through this exercise. The most important piece of it all though is clarifying that first thing. What am I optimizing my entire life for? For me, it's happiness. So it's so easy for me. If it doesn't make me happy or if I can't make it happy, I try not to do it or I try to give it to somebody else or pay someone else to do it. You know. So I'd say that is what it means mostly for me. For me, it's about optimizing for happiness or in this case, mm-hmm. love. I think it's the same thing. Um, for you, it might mean something different. But ultimately, it's about spending as much time leaning in to this thing you're optimizing your life for while you try to get off your plate everything and anybody else that doesn't contribute to that. Wow. Dude, I, yeah. I feel like I just unlocked consultant Rob. Yeah, yeah, kind of with, yeah. I was like, Give it a dear. hold on, yeah, hold on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. would be another podcast. Yeah, it's all like, different one. You were going yes. like, and that's what I freaking yes, love is yeah. the tactical stuff. But everything you shared was even more powerful. But yeah. that's so funny. Yeah. I just saw like a whole yeah, thing yeah, come but, out. Yeah. I mean, people are trying to like, you know, put this at 0.5. Oh my gosh. Listen to it. They're like, holy crap, wait, wait, hold on. I'm taking notes over here. <laughs> yeah, totally. And then, you know, with things like that too, you're right. And you start to speak probably 10 times faster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's important. And it is in alignment with everything else we talked about. Because at the end of the day, in order to get more of what you love or enjoy, you have to focus on it. You yes. can't. Feel love by focusing on unlovable things. You can't be efficient by focusing on the inefficient things, right? Or things that you're inefficient with. You can't feel happiness by focusing on the unhappiness of things, right? So at the end of the day, we're talking really about the same theme from dozens of different angles, but it's really just a finite, limited number of truths here that you can apply to any and every area of your life, whether it's love and relationships or it's finances or it's your personal life, your social life, professional life, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Where can people find it, brother? Yeah. Wherever you're hanging out. Come, come <laughs> find this guy. Yeah, Search yeah. him up. Find yeah. him. What's yeah. the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah. So folks can find me at my website at coachrobmack.com. Coachrobmack.com. Yep. And they can find me on most all social media platforms. 
most consistently Instagram. Instagram's your main one, right? Yeah, yeah. at Rob Mack, um, M-A-C-K official. Okay. And you can find both books, Happiness from the Inside Out and Love from the Inside Out, everywhere great books are sold, including Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Target, Walmart, all the places. Amazing. Send this guy a message. Send him, this is, this is one of my, my two call-outs for every time you guys listen all the way through here, especially, I know that you're committed to this. Send him a message and say, what were the biggest takeaways? What were the aha moments? Because I'm sure you could mm. agree this is the things that you love to hear, the, the real impact, them saying, uh, you know, when you said this, that's completely changed my life. Because here, like, like I, I, I mean, those types of messages probably move you, don't they? Oh, so much, man. So much. This, is, this is why I'm so invested in conversations with you. This is why I love your podcast. This is why I love what you do, period. Like, it mm. doesn't matter what it is. If it's coming from Jake, truly, I'm interested because of yeah. precisely what you said. I need my takeaways. <laughs> yes, I need a takeaways. And that it just, it reaffirms us. You guys, like, sometimes people look at Rob or sometimes I get this and I'm like, oh, you guys know who I am? Like, I'm, I'm a nobody, right? And that's, I'm just, yeah. you know, that's our own little belief. But like, we look at it like, oh, these guys are like, they're good. They don't need to hear from us. Yeah. It's like, no, we love like the, the affirmations, the confirmation of our works because we're always growing. And with every growth, there's always a little area of development and we need to be affirmed on that development. So send, send right. this man a message. Send him what he uh, stood out on Instagram and, and especially tag us on the stories. So take a screenshot on this, tag Rob, tag me at Jake Havron. You already know where to find me. Everything will be in the show notes below, but tag us on the Instagram story. Shout us out and we would love to, to shout back out you, uh, what is it? shout you out back and uh, show you some love because we want this message to not just stay within this little mm. circle. We want this to expand. And, uh, Facts, ripple effect. Yeah, and everything will be in the show notes, um, all info, everything we've talked about, uh, where to find him, things like that. But Rob, I just gotta say one more time, man, yeah. thank you so much for your time. Yeah. This message has been provocative in the most beautiful way like people are being moved from this i could tell and i know it's going to only ripple more and more as our expansion gets bigger and bigger and the beautiful thing about social media is it's a tool and we are allowing this tool to allow positive love and happiness to, to shine through mm -hmm. and your message is going to be out there and um man i just i'm very grateful for this relationship this friendship this partnership all the things ship you know and um <laughs> and Guys, go find his book, get his book on Amazon, Love from the Inside Out, because you're going to feel this man's soul coming through on the papers and it will move your soul. So thank you so much, Rob. My and, honor. Uh, you know, thank you so much. I'm so honored to be your friend and um, I'm so honored to know a uh, man like you. So thank you so much, Jake. I appreciate that. Yeah. And also, um, I fully received that. Yes. <laughs> so I have to work on that too. Appreciate you. Bye, brother. Appreciate nice you. Pleasure, all right, we are at the end here. Thank you so much. If you're listening right now to the end, I appreciate you because this was a long episode. Most of these episodes are long, um, but the value and the wisdom and the, the tactical strategies, I hope it really just resonates. And that's why we do these podcasts. So make sure to connect with Rob here, Rob Mac official or coachrobmack.com. Is that correct? That's correct. All right, we got coachrobmack.com and uh, show him that love. And until then, you go have a great rest of your day. Go create your strategic life. And we'll see you in the next episode.